Sup, fool. This is the Sore Losers BMX Podcast. My name is Justin Kobley. I'm out here on Long Island, New York. Today, I'm here with my co-host, Austin Mazer, out in Mallorca, Spain. Today, we're going to catch up with our buddy, Joel Fortin. Joel's out in Canada. He's about an hour north of Toronto. He is an extremely talented BMX rider, sponsored by Merit Parts and FTL Clothing. And on top of that, he's one of the nicest human beings I know. I'm excited to hear what he's been up to lately. So with that out of the way, how are you guys doing? Hold on. What's up, guys? Not too much. Just uh, suffering through a rainy weekend. So not much riding. There. Yeah. yeah. Today was going to be the riding day, but got shut down. Austin hasn't seen rain in months. He's been on yeah, vacation. I forgot, I forgot what rain is. Doesn't deal with that. <laughs> Must be nice. <clears throat> no, I miss I miss rainy days. So yeah, I'm stoked to be here with my buddy Joel today. Uh, I was a little worried because Austin he changed the uh, the plans at the last minute because yeah, he won a uh, an all expenses paid. Uh, hotel resort vacation of some sort. <laughs> so what happened there, dude? I'm I'm curious. Uh, I mean, I guess it it sounds more exciting than it was. Well, basically, so I don't know how to explain it. Just basically, the government here in Mallorca was uh, doing like a promotion thing for hotels for residents of the island, basically just to get. I guess some money flowing through the hotels just cause COVID and all that shit. So, you know, people would enter and stuff and like we entered and, and yeah, we ended up winning. And then you, I think the deal was you get, it was like two nights and it was taking, like it was paid for. You just had to pay for the taxes, I think, which obviously for like, the whole hotel hotel stay was nothing, you know, but, but yeah, it was like, uh, you know, like on the other side of the Island, like an hour away, kind of a, like a beach party type destination. And we just hung out the hotel, had the pool, went over by the beach, hung out there. So it was a nice little weekend getaway, but still on the Island. That's crazy. So it was like, a government funded sweepstakes yeah, yeah. almost like a stimulus yeah. right exactly yeah just trying to get i guess some money movement in between like hotels and all that shit you know so like did you guys still have to like pay for your own food and like drinks and no, stuff like-, it, like the the food and drinks like we did it was like the breakfast included and dinner included and then lunch we would just kind of do our own thing and that was included as well as like the drinks and stuff. And yeah, like I said, it was just good, like random taxes. It was like so weird. It doesn't sound like that would make the hotels much money if you have a No, it, it sounds yeah, like it's it. just like a perk for you to be a citizen. Right. And yeah. it's like I mean, not, it's just using the hotel's resources, but I guess the government <laughs> is paying the bill that you would have had to pay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's how that's how I look. I imagine it. It is because I don't know why else they would. You know, like my girlfriend's parents won too, so like 
I don't know how much of like a, a known thing it was that like a lot of people enter because you know maybe it was like a low key thing that was like if you know you know and you enter and chances are you'll get a good opportunity to win. That's awesome. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's fun. So it's Chill like the weekends. government instead of giving you a stimulus and letting you choose how to pay for it, yeah. they were like, here's your stimulus, here's how you're going to use it, you're going exactly, on vacation, yeah. bitch. Listen, like, the hotels need help, just go there for the weekend. Just just, just go, just take a weekend, come shut, on, you deserve a break. And just, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. But it was funny there, because, like, uh, you know, Mallorca is a big uh, travel destination for Germans, so, like, just in the hotel, like, almost every everyone was German. Everyone's kind of frozen. It was just funny, like being there, you know, obviously, like an hour away from where we live and stuff, and then just kind of like being there. And it's like everyone is German, and like it's the classic, like you buy an all inclusive package and just stay there a whole week. So, like, these people are just there, breakfast, lunch, dinner, hanging out, getting drinks from the bar every five minutes. So it's funny to just observe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds boring to me to do for a whole week. I feel like that would get old pretty quick. And I mean, like, it's not even like the place was like some crazy thing that you'd see in Mexico or something where it's like, I mean, it was a relatively like small hotel resort type thing to where spending a week there, not leaving seems crazy. Yeah. Mm hmm. Guess everyone's different. Yeah. What have you guys been up to? You want to go first, Joel? Sure, yeah, why not? I've just been in school. I'm, like, wrapping up my third year, my last year in school right now. So I got, like, two weeks left. And, um, yeah, it's a lot of finals. I don't know. It's been pretty pretty busy. But just trying to ride when I can. And um, been golfing a little bit. Awesome. Golfing guy, damn! Yeah. Hit up Aaron Ross next time he's in town. <laughs> big golfer, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he's a big golf guy. Yeah, golf guy, Porsche guy. He's got the key to Austin. He's living the dream. Wow, golf is one of the sports I'd like to try, but it's just like I don't know anyone who golfs, and it's like it seems like a process to kind of get into it. Yeah, it is. You need to have like kind of a squad or at least one friend that you can go with. Yeah. And then you can get a little bit more into it. But some golf courses are just, I don't know, like scary to approach. And like some right. are just like public tracks that you can just go play. So I don't know. It's a fun, it's a fun thing that to do when I'm not riding. It's like a secondary thing. Exactly. It's, I don't know. It's challenging and whatnot, but there's no risk of hurting yourself, which is kind of a nice feature. Also, I feel like it's one of those things that like, you kind of just are completely focused on it, you know? Like, you don't really have other things. You're like, okay, I need to, like, focus and, like, make sure I hit the ball and get it over that. Like, you're kind of all all in it. Yeah. Uh, sorry, one of my lights just burnt out right above me. on <laughs> It actually didn't make much of a difference because you're kind of a grainy blob okay. either way. But yeah, as long as we I'm can hear you, like that's what matters. Okay, good. <laughs> nah, it's doing fine. So yeah, golfing guy. Austin, if you want to hit up uh, Peter, I know he tees off pretty frequently. 
sport yeah. yellow. You know, yeah, Billy's yeah. homie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Plus, Freddie was a golfer. Freddie's dad is like, Fred, I mean, yeah, who, who could major forget golfer? Fucking, so. Yeah, Freddie. What's Freddie doing these days? Dude, Freddie is recovering. Freddie, yeah. um, Fred Drew has had some uh, some spine issues, and then yeah, that's been a whole long road with complications. And then he's had some issue with his hip, where he had like a bone spur in his hip. And he had no. to get surgery and get that like shaved down, and that's like a pretty long, like a few month reco- few months recovery, I think. So yeah, yeah Freddie's been out of the oh. game for a while with some uh, some health How issues. Freddie, such an old, he's just such an old man, but he's like <laughs> younger than me. I think I don't understand. That's true. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it was just how he was raised. He was raised from childhood yeah. as like a grandpa. Right, <laughs> but he's uh he's been hitting me up to cruise around. Like I think his back is feeling well enough that he can uh he can stand and pedal a bike Finally. and like jump curbs and stuff just, without much risk. Like he needs to get handle- handlebars that have more than like six and a half yeah. inches of rise. That's probably yeah, that's, the issue. Maybe throw throw a top load stem on there. Just you know, that's what we've been telling him. We're ta- we're trying to get him to build up like an ergo bike, like. Perfect tennis bars, like top load stem, you know, like a nice, comfortable frame that like isn't super low to the ground and super high seat post, so he could sit and cruise. Like maybe even get the um the hoder quick release, so he can like right. slam the seat down when he I wants to shred, that. but then crank it all the way up when he wants to cruise. Dude, I want to get a quick release. It's pretty sick. It doesn't look sick, but it's extremely <laughs> functional. Dude, because there's some times where I'm like riding and I want to sit down, and it's like this is so uncomfortable. Yeah, like my knees are just like up to my stomach. I can do like when I put my heels on the pedals, I can sit and pedal, and it's like Mm. relatively comfortable. But I think you run your seat lower than me. Maybe. Yeah, mine's definitely higher because I've uh, taken inspiration from Billy Perry from years past, and like I think I run maybe like five, six inches of seat post. So I could like sit and pedal. I'm also a short motherfucker, also, so yeah. <laughs> I don't really like need a ton of seat posts to be able to sit and pedal. So it works for me. You're yeah. built for being next bike, dude. Exactly. Yep. Oh, uh, Justin. Oh, so uh, we're talking about Hoder. I was at the Street Series last weekend, oh. and it was chaos. It was like. Everything I expected it to be, or not the street series, the uh, the yeah, Don of the, the streets. streets, yeah, that's that's what it's called. No monster uh, focus on your book. Tough to focus oh on God. reading your book when all that stuff's going on, eh? That's hilarious. They could just that was down. What yeah. was that a book? What were you reading? I don't even. I don't even know what it was. <laughs> so <laughs> l- allow me to explain myself. There was a uh, a meme that went on Team Weed. Who knows who could have taken the photo? This, you know, Team Weed is, is such a mysterious, yeah. anonymous character. No one knows who it is. Nobody knows who Team Weed could be. But anyway, there's a photo of me sitting in like a pretty wide alleyway, sitting on my bike, reading a book. And in the background, there's like a few hundred people <laughs> fucking madness in the back spectating like a BMX event. <laughs> and, uh, yeah that that really happened it wasn't it wasn't a setup 
Uh, kind of like, I guess the, the whole story was we rolled up to this crazy spot that was like, I don't know, maybe a 17 or an 18 stair with like a big rail hop. And basically as soon as we rolled up to it, nobody even like had cameras out. Nobody was like even ready. And Hoder comes flying out of nowhere and he jumps over just like the straight hop side of the rail hop. Like it's a, it's a straight across railing and then it goes down. Yeah. He launched himself over just the straight across part, like over just like a dead drop. Like basically the stairs are 90 degrees to him and he jumped just the rail hop to the drop side. And I guess nobody was like spotting him or he didn't ask for anybody to like give him a heads up if the landing was clear and he jumps over this rail hop and nearly lands on top of like an asian family that's walking under it and it was just the craziest thing because the this like this little quiet alleyway in manhattan was empty and somehow this like family of three they just happened to like walk under the rail hop directly as hoder is rail hopping it and so i saw this kind of out of the corner of my eye and there were these big ass planners blocking the like the full view of the landing but i saw hoder come flying through the air and i saw these people go running out from under him and like i could i I, they literally were running toward me so i could see in their face that like they were in terror like something traumatic just happened to them and i saw hoder like careening toward a wall and like jump off his bike and like i think there was a guy trying to like spot him and block him from crashing into the wall but he like bounces off the wall and i see he's like holding his leg and like jumping up and down and everybody was like oh his knee his knee like he hurt his knee and nobody was really too worried they're like oh it's hoder dude he's indestructible (laughs) and like a few minutes later people start coming back from like where hoder is because there's like a wall of humans spectating yeah and like i couldn't really see what was going on and couldn't get across but then like people start like coming back from where hoder disappeared off to and they're like oh shit dude hoder's leg is bleeding hoder's leg is sliced open like apparently he like jumped the rail hop but because he was gonna land on some people he like had to take his foot off or he just like landed weird and like bounced and his foot came off and it sliced open his ankle like near an artery or like a, a major blood vessel. And apparently he was bleeding really? a lot to the point where like Charlie Crumlish was there with him, like wrapping up his like leg in a tourniquet and trying to like, s- like slow down the bleeding. And like wow. once they realized it was that bad, they like someone got on the phone and called an ambulance that was with him because like apparently hoder didn't even want to go in the ambulance he was just like nah man i'll be fine like don't worry i'll be fine like it's just just a cut and they were like dude you're like losing a bunch of blood you you got to get this shit stitched up dude like this is not a a scratch but he apparently he was unfazed by it but the ambulance came and uh you know, after seeing all that shit happen, I was sort of like a little bit stressed out by the whole thing. Like I was like kind of worried, you know, if Hoder was going to be okay. And like at that point, I was kind of like not psyched on watching the jam anymore. 
So I was like sitting down, like, you know, when like somebody, you know, or a friend of a friend is hurt and you yeah. like just want to like take a breather. Like, you, you know, if you go with them to the hospital, you're going to like sit in the waiting room and just like collect yourself for a little bit. So mm-hmm. Hoder got taken away in the ambulance and I had been just like sitting in this alleyway, like talking to Craig and gang and a few other guys. I think Charlie was there with me later. And uh, I was kind of like, I don't want to say I was over the jam, but I did not want to immediately watch more people huck themselves over right. this like 18 stair rail hop thing, which apparently Brock Rayford tail whipped, which is completely insane. But at that point, I was not really trying to watch the jam. I wanted to just like chill out. And yeah. I happened to have a book with me because I deleted Instagram off my phone and uh, I literally just need something to do in like my downtime, like especially on my lunch break at work. I just got into reading. So I just have a book with me whenever I have a backpack. And I was at the end of the book and I just wanted to chill out and read my book for a few minutes and not watch the jam <laughs> and uh yeah i whipped out the book not really thinking much of it other than like you know somebody might make a comment and be like hey man what are you reading right now like i knew it was going to be a little weird but i, I didn't mean, think it would be like yeah. a spectacle but i was sitting there reading my book the jam was going on behind me a bunch of dudes riding like a 20 stair and uh, apparently some people took my picture because <laughs> it looked crazy. And I don't blame them, but that's, that's the story. That's amazing. Also, Great. Joey Piazza took my photo <laughs> on like a, a point-and-shoot film camera because I was like sitting there reading and I just look up and he's pointing the camera at me. And I was like, all right, like not, not going to complain. Like there's nothing I can do. So I just kept reading my book and he took a photo or two and then he walked by and I just like gave him a nod and I was like, thanks, man. He was like, he's like, yeah, dude, appreciate it. Like he was, you know, he was cool about also, it. Also, you also being a, a photographer, feel like yeah, you can appreciate the, the photo. Yeah, I think when it you happened, I had a camera it, around yeah. my neck still. So I, I was like, I understood the scenario because, yeah, there was a couple hundred people behind me cheering and jumping and dude, they were even like sitting on the rafters or like the, the scaffolding of the building. Like it was like crazy, crazy scene behind me. And I was sitting there reading a book. Crazy. Classic Justin. I see. I saw in that video though, you'd got a few clips, like you did a nolly pegs out of one spot. I don't, I didn't know what that was, but. That was pretty oh, crazy. did somebody did somebody film the uh the nolly pegs? It must have been Delecky. I think it was in the dig video. Someone got it, and it was definitely you. Really? Was, yeah. So looked like a decent setup. Like. So, like the just the quick synopsis of the the dawn of the streets day. I showed up late because the jam started at ten a.m. for some reason. Ten a.m. I'm not trying to get up at 8, 9 a.m. and drive into the city on a Saturday. Uh, jams are cool and all, but I like taking it slow on the weekends. And uh, I rolled up to the jam at like 1230. And they had already ridden like two spots at that point. Like so the jams. Williamsburg and 
Yeah, so I missed the session at the Williamsburg Plaza. I parked near there, and when I rolled up, the plaza was completely empty. And I just took a photo of the empty plaza and like put it on Instagram when I got home later. I was just like, jam was sick, you know, crazy turnout, and it's just vacant. Yeah, it's just nothing. So that was me missing the start of the jam. And by the time I showed up, the jam was in full swing. Dudes are sending themselves. And like, there was easily, I want to say like two, 300 people in attendance. So it was a, a huge crowd spectating, yeah. and, you know, crowding the landings and stuff. So I kind of just like fully intended to just spectate the jam for most of the day. And I did that for like the first two or three spots. Like they were riding like crazy shit, like, you know, big three blocks. Like they rode that wooden block set on the water. Yeah. Um, they rode when I linked up, they were riding the, the Chinatown spot where uh, Denim Cox wall rode the fence out Sweet. from the stairs. Devin Smiley like pole jammed the rail Bro, they, and then gapped the like set. Devin Smiley pole jam. That was insane. Yeah, dude, yeah, George did like the over rail ride. Dude, he was trying to do that mm-hmm. to 180. He did that like that eight or gross. ten times. Yeah. That rail looks like it's shit. barely a bike length, too. I it's know, terrible. Dude, yeah. I've looked at yeah, that rail is... and just shook my head and went and rode the like the also, handicap rail with the ledge at the bottom. Yeah. But dudes were going in on that little rail. I mean, also, that's kind of a Joel rail. It's a Joel bit of a Joel rail. Yeah, yeah, he I've likes the short rails. Like terrible rails, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. It's like pretty steep, but it has no kink. It's like low-ish, so it's pretty easy to get onto, but yeah, not a great rail. Rock in a bar. One right thing here. about that jam, it seemed like that jam, I mean, I get it, because like, there's some big names there, so like, you want to go to big spots, but some of those spots, like that huge down rail that Brock did the pegs hard, on like yeah. to me i mean there's only four or five dudes at that jam that are gonna ride that i mean that's so gnarly i, I i'd yeah. be sitting down in most of those spots it's just i get it though you want to bring in the spots where people are going to send it otherwise you just end up at like jibs but yeah i thought that was that was, that was funny yeah. yeah they definitely rode that spot at like 11 a.m too that was oh, like i think God. the second spot on the itinerary so that was their breakfast that was their warm-up yeah like that 18 or 20 stair handrail and shout out to uh marcel for doing that ice pick because dude that ice was so good he went so so slow dude yeah marcel is crazy yeah i wish i would have been there to see that in person but is that kid from i was getting an egg sandwich like where's he from i think he's from florida Oh, yeah, okay. it sounds but, right. Wow, people it's are coming crazy. out from everywhere for that. Dude, yeah, but like I, I met Marcel like fucking years ago at Woodward. We did like a FTL Woodward thing in like 2016, maybe. And I met him there, and you know he was like a younger kid and just like doing his thing, riding a bunch, and like hung out with him a few days at Woodward and stuff. And then like now to see, you know, how he's progressed and shit is crazy. Yeah, savage man. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, the the jam was pretty awesome just because it was like a reunion of like friends who have moved elsewhere on the East Coast. And dude, so many guys from California came out for just for the jam. Yeah. 
so it was really cool just to see everybody. So like I wasn't really bummed to not be riding too much, but it got to a point in the day where I had had a few beers and I had already sobered up and I was honestly just bored of not biking. So I was like, there's nothing else to do. I'm going to ride the spot with everyone. And we went to that handrail, like you were saying, and uh, it was like a pretty big rail, but not insane. It was like maybe, mm-hmm. what do you guys think, like an 8 or a 10 or something? Which one? The... Yeah, I would say at least 10. Yeah, it seemed decent on the on the video. Yeah, we, I didn't count the stairs, but it was pretty cool because it was just like Brock Rayford, Hobie Doan. Um, who's the dude in Angles who has a um a really good part? He's uh he lives in California. He's uh one of Scott Marceau's homies. I'm blanking on his name right now. I didn't see that video, so I cannot. He rides uh brakes. Yeah, me neither. Dude, yeah. it's like on the tip Chill, of my bro. tongue. Yeah, I'm um... blanking on it. But anyway, there was only a handful of people riding this handrail, and uh it was like also um the tire ride guy from California. Um, dude, I'm so bad with names. Tire ride guy from I know California. Manual yet? Who was boss hog? Boss hog. Oh. Yeah, we're up there with the boss. Oh. So it was like a little alleyway that led up to this handrail, and it was like being in like the um like the starting box or something on like a racetrack. Like we were all like lining up, and like no one was really talking too much. Oh. So it was it was cool, and uh, you know I showed up a little late to this rail session because I like wasn't even sure if I wanted to ride. So I grinded the rail once. I got back up, got in line. I was like, "All right, I'm gonna do nolly grind. Like I don't know what else to do. This is a pretty good rail for it." And uh, I didn't say anything about it. Like it was just I was that was the plan in my head. And right before I go. Hobie Doan nolly grinds the rail. And I was like, ah. It's like, well, doesn't really change anything. Like, I still want (laughs) to nolly grind it. That was my intention. So I went, I think I literally went right after him and nolly grinded it because I didn't know what else to do. And I was still stoked to do it. Like, I wasn't trying to, like, win the jam. But after I did that, I was, like, thinking nolly ice, like, done a few of them like it the nolly grind felt pretty easy so that's what i wanted to try next but the cop showed up and i think boss hog just got his last try or two in because he was trying to do like the disaster on the like perpendicular rail and then pop over double peg so boss hog yeah yeah i think i think so somebody got like their last trick in with the cops standing at the bottom, like shutting the session Hanger? down. I think it was the hang. Yeah, yeah, Miguel hang. Did so maybe it was maybe it was Miguel got his um his last try in to do the tooth hanger. Yeah, exactly. I, I remember seeing in one of the videos that he was talking to the cop afterward. Yeah, so that must have been it. Something My memory is a little hazy, but yeah, yeah, that was our our buddy Miguel Bouillard. Bouchard. Bouchard. Yeah. yeah. Butchering that, but Miguel's <laughs> awesome. So I didn't get to try my nolly grind. Maybe it was for the best because 
could have gotten smoked. Like, it was a big rail. It was pretty high to get onto. Like, it wasn't, like, one of those little dinky nolly rails that, like, you could go slow. Like, you had to, like, gap down a bit. So I was definitely sweating it. But, like, you know, the jam adrenaline is going. And you're like, I'm going to fucking do it. Like, got to do it. Like, this is the jam. So... Yeah. Definitely got like drank the jam juice a little bit and uh, the jam juice. Wanted wanted to send the nolly <laughs> ice, but but yeah, the cop shut it down. So who knows what would have happened? But at least I got the to ABD Hobie. So that that was fun. Hobie just shows up to spots. I feel like he does every single trick he can. Like he'll just keep going and going. Yeah, dude, that he's a machine. That dude's so good. He's extremely good and like. You could tell he's just so naturally good at what yeah. he does. Like, he doesn't even, like, think. Like, it's not, like, a calculated, yeah. like, he's not, like, like a tech rider, like, riding burly stuff. Like, he just, he just sends it, and he's got the skill to back it up. Yeah. So, yeah. props to him, for sure. But, yeah, after, um, after riding that down rail, we ended up, uh, I think, trying to think of the timeline. After that, we went probably to that up rail which was like a long aluminum right side down rail left side up rail calling that an up rail dude calling that an up rail is a bit of a stretch i gotta <laughs> i gotta say yeah it's definitely a bit of a stretch it's not ideal Isn't it curvy it's it's like curvy it's aluminum it's kind of tall at the bottom i mean yeah it doesn't look ideal at all you made so it one work. one side you made it is work. curvy you did pegs up no can right yeah, I went up to Nofood Can. I went up to like Toboggan and Barspin, just like in the warm up. But that was a fun session. I was riding that with Brock Rayford, with Hobie in the beginning, and then I think he got his tricks and he was done. Uh, poor homie Rich and uh, this other guy Matt Ray. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was just dude. He was going up the rail. I think it was switch grind up the rail to tail whip, and he did it like multiple times, probably trying to like feel out something else. That guy's such an athlete, man. It blows my mind. Yeah. That's exactly the way to put it. Yeah. He's an athlete, truly. Like, he had the gloves on. He was like in the zone, like there to kill it. And he did. Definitely crazy to see in person. Like Dylan Lloyd is kind of like a similar breed too. Yeah, yeah, definitely a similar yeah, like approach to riding. True. Do you like know Dylan like at all, Joel? Type. Yeah, I know Dill like pretty well. We've kicked it a few times. I haven't seen him in a while. Um, since I mean, whatever, since all this stuff's been going on. But uh, yeah, no, Dill kills it, man. He's been like riding a bunch. I've been seeing like some of his clips in Montreal. It's kind of, it. he lives like six hours away from me. So it's not like we ride all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, I was going to um, say you're like kind of, a, you know, if he was in the States, it would be like, you know, you lived in New York and he lived in like Michigan or something. Like he's not quite, he's not quite in California, but he's, uh, he's a ways off. Like, yeah. But yeah, Dill's awesome. I had the chance to meet him um, at one point for like a We The People trip. But what what Austin was saying, like, um, I think I've, I don't know if I've told the story on here, but Dylan Lloyd goes street riding with like two sets of clothes and he has like his riding kit 
which is like the shin knee pads, I think. He's got his like riding pants. He's got basically a whole separate wardrobe. And he puts that on when he wants to like film a trick. Like he puts on like the kit and then goes in. And then after the session is done, he takes off the pads and the pants. He puts on like basketball shorts and like a tank top and slip ons. And he's back to like cruising dill. It's so, it was so cool to That's see. That's amazing. That's pretty, dude. My, uh, like Mike Gray does the same thing. I ride with him all the time and he'll, he'll show up in like casual kind of comfy clothes for driving, whatever. And then he'll like throw on, yeah, the, the space braces, like the knee pads, put on like riding shorts and he'll just, I mean, I get it, dude. It's nice. I started doing that with just, just shoes. Like, I'm not going to change my whole outfit. But having like comfy shoes for the drive, get to the spot, put on your riding shoes, and then you can like swap them out after. It's kind of nice. It feels a little bit indulgent. Like, you know, I'm kind of having two pairs of shoes, but it's nice. You know, might as well. Yeah, I think because we're always carrying like extra shit as like filmers that it's not even too big of a deal to like have an extra pair of shoes or pants. You had the breaking shoe. You had the filming shoe. Remember that? The filming shoe? You had like the one that you carried around. Bro, that that blew my mind (laughs) the first time I saw that. Never seen that. Yeah, I stopped doing that uh, in the last few (laughs) years. But I used to just carry (laughs) one left shoe attached to my camera bag when I used to uh, film with a skateboard more. Old, like. Yeah. What was it? Because it was just a throwaway shoe that you can just wear down filming. Because, like, if you're filming on a skateboard, you're going to be dragging your pushing foot like over and over and over to film. And I think I got the idea from a skater to just bring a film shoe. So that was the, the move for a while. It also yeah. doubles as a good tripod. That's very true. Like the ground, the ground VX like shoe tripod, I feel like yeah. that's a pretty common. Mm-hmm. I did that move in the first Whammo video. There's a, uh, a shoe right. tripod clip. Yep, at our local uh, elementary school. Actually, the school I went to for uh, like kindergarten through first grade, there's like a, a bump-to-bar rail hop. And I set up my VX1000 in probably the film shoe to like film a, a fisheye, a static oh. fisheye clip. Because you, you see it in the oh, second yeah, angle. Yeah. You could see it in the second angle, and yeah, like that, a few people yeah. commented that like just that it was ridiculous. <laughs> like it got it got some attention at the time because it, it must have looked crazy to people. The fish eye angle looked pretty good though. The rail hop, right? At that like Manny Pad school. Well the like mm-hmm. the long Manny Pad school. Yeah, yeah the one right. you know is manual. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's spot. Exactly. Good times in Long Island spot. God I miss Long Island spot. You are like uh, the only yeah. person who's ever said that. Yeah. So I'm glad I have that There's recorded. Something about him. I don't know what it is. Something about him, man. It's just, I don't know. I like it. I'm, there. With, I'm with you, Joel. Thank you, man. People like to I talk wonder... shit on Long Island's class, but it's like, yeah, they're annoying, but they're gems. About them. I wonder if it like reminds you of the spots that you have to ride. Because it's, it's kind of similar to like where you live, I think. Because you live in Barrie, right? Which is outside mm-hmm. of Toronto, like an hour or so. Yeah, hour so north. Yeah. 
So you have like a dialed city that you can go to like on the weekends or like a day off and like, you know, ride proper city spots, pedal to spot, pedal to next mm-hmm. spot. But like on a regular basis, you're riding more around like the Barry area. So you're probably like driving to a spot, set up the camera, you know, think of the trick, whatever, get your clip, go to the next spot, you know, so on. But like, so it's kind of a similar similar vibe out there yeah the workflow is very similar the spots are similar you know a lot of like planters that don't slide well and rails that are wobbly but like the best spots you know and then yeah if i want to go to like toronto and stuff dude the thing with this with toronto is yeah it's like an hour south for me so it's easy it's like you guys in the city i guess but getting into the city is a lot i feel like it's a lot harder traffic wise but um there are so many little outside pockets uh there's random towns outside of toronto that just have crazy spots that no one really rides and i feel like that's kind of a luxury up here is that you guys most of the spots in or around manhattan people have been that and they've done pretty much every trick around here there's so many things up for grabs it's nuts yeah i feel like you'd be surprised like a lot of people myself included have like gone to somewhat known or famous city spots and been like oh i can't film that that's been done and then you like think about it and you ask a few like the homies around you're like can anybody do this can anybody think of a clip and like a lot of stuff just like never gets done i think just like people are like oh it must have been done already like no one's gonna bother like especially like something really crazy might have been done like maybe like a two up of the trick you want to do so I think people right. just like don't claim tricks because they like, I don't know, they take it for granted. So the city's not That's too not hard true. to ride to film, but I think you just have to accept that like maybe some like legend, you know, like Tyrone already did something crazy there, like Nigel, whoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also new spots pop up in the city all the time. Like we even went to a few. Now continue. I was just gonna. I was gonna say, how often do you go into the city these days? Like, is it something that you do every weekend or like? It depends. Like in the summer, we definitely go a lot more. So I probably ride the city on average like every other weekend. But it depends. And like when I say the city, I could mean Queens. I could mean Brooklyn. Pretty rarely Manhattan because it's like the extra hassle of uh, getting over the bridge and like just dealing with the bodies. Just a bit more of a added hassle, you know, a lot more security and stuff, and just it's a lot more humans. Yeah, Yeah, Manhattan itself is just so crowded. Like the tourists on the weekend are are rough, and it just makes you know riding spots so much more of a hassle. So we usually like to to stay in Brooklyn. Yeah. It's like a thing to just ride and experience, like not really session, but just kind of cruise. Yeah, it is it is fun to go into Manhattan. Like usually if I'm riding with Billy Perry, he's the Manhattan guy. So he wants to like cruise midtown and like swerve between taxis and like that's his thing. So yeah. I get I get that experience now and again, but usually when it's with like the Whammo crew, like Craig and Franco and Pepe, we're gonna go ride. For a more relaxed session. 
Yeah, it's a little more laid back yeah, session. Yeah, Craig yeah. really doesn't like the crowds. And I'm with him there. Yeah. It's stressful, man. It's so it's so stressful. I don't even like I mean, I don't think I've ever seen Billy stop at a red light. And I <laughs> I mean that gives me anxiety just thinking about it. Like riding in Toronto, if you don't stop at a red, people just they lose their minds. I don't know what it is about yeah. New York, but if you're on a bike, you can just kind of do whatever you want. And just going up the wrong way. It's it's so silly. It was like going up the wrong way up on a one way street. I'm just, I mean, the thing is when you're riding with him is if you don't keep up and blow the red with him, you're just going to get yeah. left behind in the exactly. dust. So you have mm-hmm. to. But I mean, something about that is enjoyable. It's fun, but. I mean, I, it's such a sensory over, overload for me that I'm like you, Justin. I need to sit down and like read a book after and just kind of collect my thoughts because <laughs> it's so it's so intense. Yeah, I don't know the city. I think if you're driving in the city, you're like assuming people are gonna just pop out of nowhere and like the the taxis and stuff. They're just unfazed by it. Like I'm sure they yeah. they've killed their share of pedestrians. So what's one more? So. They're not really too worried if you like cut in front of traffic and like they'll just like lay on the horn or give you the finger, but they don't really care. So, yeah, in the yeah. city, you you can get away with just blasting through lights and like, you know, you can also usually like one person is like the guinea pig that will send themselves through the traffic light and then they'll like give you an indication of whether it's clear. But yeah, you got to imagine like. You know, obviously, someone like Billy, who's there every weekend or every week, you know, he's like, yeah, whatever. He's used to it. But then, like, Joel going to the city and having to keep up with Billy, it's like, where the fuck are the cars coming from? Like, there's a million of them, you know. So I feel like a farmer or something that's just been brought into the city. And it's like, I have to navigate it. And I just am so out of my element. It's weird. And it's not like I've never been in a big city, but it's just so not my thing. And actually real quick, kind of a change of pace. But since we're talking about the city, you remember, do you guys remember that time that we took the train from, well, we had a very long day in Manhattan and we took the train back. And I think we went like two stops too far or something. And then we ended up riding in the dark on the road all the way back to Islip. You guys remember this? So I'm pretty uh, sure I remember this. Uh, I, I think we rode home from Babylon. Probably. Yeah. I think it, yeah. Okay. How, how far was that? Because in my mind we rode 50 miles that <laughs> night, but I know we were like shot cause it was a long, it was a long day, but how far was that oh, really? Man, it was also in the dark. I... Yeah. That, yeah so... that road too is pitch dark. Yeah. Probably yeah, Union Boulevard, yeah. right, Austin? Yeah. yeah. That was funny. Shit. Yeah, so... I remember it... hearing Austin's, Austin's back wheel with, like, three spokes just... <laughs> for like he still has that problem right now. Years. He's still dealing with Austin, wheel issues to this day. Rider, dude. Fix your wheels, man. Yeah. I don't know. He but, does live on a tropical island off the coast of Spain, though, so that, that makes things a little bit more challenging getting parts is it tough to get parts out there often uh it's weird because it like it just depends because like some days like i remember maybe like a few months ago or like last year or something like i asked mike for something and like it was almost like the next day it was here 
And then now, like, I ordered some, like, replacement parts for my wheel. And mm. the last update was, like, July 20th. It was, like, leaving U.S. Customs. And wow. I, since then, I haven't gotten a single update. And that was, like, probably an envelope of, like, replacement parts. So I think it just kind that of depends. Envelope, that envelope's just on some dude's boat, and he's just on his yeah. way to New York and but it's drop like, it off. And like the tracking is literally like July 20th, like departed from U S customs. It's like, so has it arrived anywhere or, but yeah, it depends. Yeah. That sucks. But and it's, it's there, weird. Cause it's not even at customs. It sounds like, like it left yeah, the it, facility, like, it which is normally customs. the hardest part. Yeah. So that sucks. Hopefully it's not like just fully lost in the mail. Yeah. What's the, are there many shops and stuff out there? Like, I, what's the scene? Like, I mean, it seems pretty good from like, I've seen your videos and all that, but. Um, I mean, as far as like BMX shops, there's not really, I don't think there's a BMX shop here. Like the closest, like, I think, you know, like homies that will buy stuff, they'll get stuff from Action BMX shop in Madrid. Okay. And then I think there's maybe another shop. I mean, obviously, you have like 360 and Happy Bike Shop in in BCN and stuff. That I don't know if from here too many people order from, but but yeah. And then some homies will order from like Skate Pro and shit. And then there's another shop called Islands in uh, the Canaries. But basically, like in in Mallorca, there's not really a BMX shop. I think. From what I know, Mallorca is a big like road biking destination. I think. Yeah. Not. Yeah, a lot of people come here to to ride bikes. Yeah. Like they'll have like, because there's a, I mean, there's a good amount of like, you know, road bike shops like that. So like people will come mm-hmm. and then they'll go to these shops to like get kind of a route and then maybe rent a bike or something and then they'll kind of go out and do their route and stuff. So I know that's a a big thing here. But yeah, as far as BMX shops, not many. Unfortunately. Joel, how did you know that? Is that just through your like your road riding experience? You've come across like the Mallorca circuit or something? Yeah, I've just seen a bunch of different, I don't know, riders, like kind of bigger name riders or just yeah, people talk about going there, mostly Europeans and stuff. Like that's a, yeah. a popular destination for them to, I guess, fly to and just ride. But I know some people. Like I worked at a shop for a long time, and some of the some of the guys who are more into road riding would fly out there for a week or whatever. Sometimes bring their bike, sometimes do it off the Like bring just like you can rent a, a really nice road bike from a yeah. lot of the shops there, and then just just you know ride through the mountains and do all that stuff. It seems to be pretty cycling friendly, so. It's, better than kind of the rough Canadian road that people around here used to. I don't know. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. That's cool to hear. So yeah, you were asking me about the ride home in the dark when we uh, couldn't yes, take the train yeah. home. The deal is you can take the train from Penn station in Manhattan to Babylon virtually at any time you want. But the connecting train to get to Islip, my hometown, is uh, they're kind of few and far between, especially like yep. later in the day. So what probably happened is we took a late train home 
and there wasn't any connecting train to get to Islip. And this was before the days where like you could just pull up the Uber app and just uh, take an Uber home because it's it's only like a 15 ish minute drive from Babylon to Islip. But it is. want to say it's three towns from me because it's like Babylon, West Islip, Bayshore and then Islip. Yeah. So it's probably in the realm of six ish miles, which uh okay. you know, in the daylight, you know, not after a, a full Highly day of different. riding the city yeah. is like not too bad, but it's a pretty good ride. But after riding the city all day and then in the dark, not prepared for like that journey home. It probably seemed like a nightmare, like, like it just would never end, especially because the, the road you take home, it's just one road with like one lane in both directions, like no street lights. Like, it's just like, Good, yeah. it seems like a place that I remember get, there like, being mugged. I remember there being no, it was so dark that you couldn't, there were no reference points like in the distance. So it just felt like you're pedaling and kind of not moving. You're on a treadmill. (laughs) The road is like a perfect straight line for miles. So it's literally, yeah, it's like being on a treadmill in the dark and you're just not making any progress. There's no landmarks. It's just like you follow the railroad tracks. So yeah, that's funny because I totally forgot that. Yeah. Good times. Very good time. Was that your first time when you came and stayed with me? When we rode the city, I want to say that was like 2014. No, I don't think that was the first time. No, that wasn't. I don't know. I don't think Spencer was there. The first exactly. time I came down, it was Spencer yes. and I. We drove down and drove in his old Mazda B3000. Yeah, it, it took us like 14 hours when we got there. And uh, yeah, no, I think it must have been the second time or something. Yeah, it was the second. Mm-hmm. Because the second time is when you and I filmed a video, Justin. Well, you filmed it, like a video of me. I think it was for FTL, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. Back in the VX days. That was fun. Yeah, man. Joel, what are you filming with now? Because you filmed that Mike Gray video not too long ago. Yeah, I have. I have a... I guess this isn't really an audio or a video podcast, is it? You got, do you guys upload the video anywhere or not? Nah, so we don't we don't do any video. I got a face for the radio. Okay, well, I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> grab it just to show you guys. Got a face for the radio. You can flex it on us. We'll describe it. So just well, it's not much of a flex. It's an A7S from like 2014, but it works pretty good. <laughs> and then I have uh, I have a Sony A. Well, it's not mine, but it's a Sony. A6, A6300 is just kind of like the baby version of my other camera. Yep, got the same this one. Exactly, Mike. You have the same as this? Yeah, I have an A6300, and then my zoom lens is the 18 to 105 F4. You got that on you too? Yeah, I see you looking around. Is that the kit lens? Is that the <laughs> no, kit no, lens no. That that's, the... It's, um. That's nah, the, the full frame. Yeah, that's the, the full frame kit lens. Which is solid yeah. too, but anyway, yeah, Sony gang. Too many lenses. Yeah, dude, that's the one thing I miss about having a VX and just having only that, and then your your fifth eye. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. 
because setting up it and I have a gimbal too. Like I have this Zhuin gimbal and it's sick. Like it's worth it to set up and everything because the footage looks really good. But I mean, compared to like a, a VX, you take it out, set the white balance and like go putting a gimbal together, man. It feels like I'm, I don't even know, putting a Lego set together or something. It just takes, it takes a while. So you kind of, you got to kind of like gauge if you're filming someone, you kind of got to gauge when they're getting close to wanting to start filming, yeah. because if you wait until they're like, okay, I'm ready. And then you're like, okay, cool. Just wait 45 minutes. I'm going to set up my gimbal and then we'll, we'll start going. So that's a bit of a learning curve, but I've been getting like slightly, slightly better, more proficient at setting it up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, HD, man, it's, it's fun. But it's different. Yeah. I feel like they each have their, like their purposes their uh strengths and weaknesses because uh we've yeah. we've uh me and austin have been going on a little bit of a like camera discovery journey we uh we both picked up really? some panasonic hvx's in the last like couple no months way. which is like the transitional camera when they went from like mini dv tapes over to memory cards so they use p2 cards which is like a pain in the ass but yeah. as long as you like have a p2 card it's fine like it's not it's not a huge inconvenience it's It's just like an internal hard drive in a way because there's no way to take it out and read it without like an expensive vintage p2 card reader oh you can't just plug into the camera and have it like read the cards you have to have a yeah yeah that's what i'm saying like i just treat it as if the p2 card never comes out of the camera like it's yeah. just the internal right. storage of the camera and then you just plug a USB into the the camera itself and that reads the P2 card. Oh, easy man. Yeah, yeah did that come it's out not the a same time deal. as the HMC? Uh, I want to say it came out a little bit earlier than the HMC. Yeah, I think it was earlier. So the, the sensor is the, not so good in low light. You could still do DV in here. Yeah, it literally has a tape deck. So you could put mini DV tapes no in it. No way. Yeah, it's wild. I didn't know that. But nobody wants them, at <laughs> least where I live. So I was able to find mine for, I think, 300 bucks. Really? Mm-hmm. Facebook Marketplace, was it like baby. A wedding, like an old, an old wedding uh, camera, or was it like some skater had it? Nah, dude, it was like a wedding like guy. It guy, was right? exactly, yeah, it was some old guy. I didn't even get to meet the guy. It was a little bit of a an odd scenario. Uh, the, the story was that this like this little town in New Jersey, they did like a town-wide, kind of like an estate sale, or like, um, trying to think of the term, but basically like they did like a group garage sale in this little town in Jersey. And this guy- town ever. Uh huh. This guy was like a a local videographer. You know, he did like wedding gigs, and I think he like filmed like church events and like that kind of shit. Camera on tripod, press record, walk away kind of stuff. And they did this this garage sale, and nobody bought his HVX, so he put it on Facebook Marketplace for a couple hundred bucks. And the photos, (laughs) the photos of the camera were not great. And the information was was pretty vague. It was like, camera in good condition, works fine. And there, there was not much about it. There were a couple like grainy photos. And I messaged the guy. Oh, and he was, he was just being weird. He was just like, 
Uh, I forget, dude, I forget exactly what he said. I think we went over it on the podcast a few episodes back. Oh, yeah. But he was giving me like one word answers. He was just like, no. You're like, Do you're you have like, any does P2 this come with P2 cards? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, like, I asked him okay. like, a, like, I sent him like a paragraph like, hey, man, I'm interested in the camera. It looks great. Can you tell me a little more about it? Like, uh, you know, I want to get the camera, but I might need some P2 cards. Like, do you have any P2 cards? Have you tested the card reader? And he was just like, no. So I was not, I was not hopeful going into the, uh, the purchase and to make matters worse, he wasn't available, uh, on the day that we had planned to meet. So like I made plans to meet him on a Saturday and, uh, we had made the plans like a few days in advance. So I assumed he like, you know, had a slot in his schedule for me, but the day before he messaged me and was like, Hey man, I apologize, but like a friend of mine is going to give you the camera. I'm going to be busy. And I was like, oh no, going to get stabbed. <laughs> something, something fishy is going on. So I was like kind of a little, a little skeptical, but it was literally right on the other side of the bridge from Manhattan. So it was like basically the same as just driving to the city, I thought. Uh, it turned out to be a way worse drive with traffic. But anyway, uh, I, I did, I should explain, I vetted the guy a little bit more. Like I lurked his Facebook page and he was a real person. Uh, I talked to him a little bit about the camera. He definitely like warmed up to me after a few messages. So like I could tell he knew camera gear and he like wasn't okay. obviously a scammer. But it was still weird was that he say, wasn't going to meet me. Based on the information, I'm, based on this info so far, there's like a 70% chance that this camera's stolen. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But, or it doesn't exist at all. And like, I'm just going to get like yeah. mugged in an alleyway in Jersey. And, yeah, exactly. So I show up to this house in Jersey, which is the guy's friend. And the house next door to the one I'm going to is like a rundown like shack like the grass is overgrown and it looks like decrepit like like nobody has like maintained the place for months and i'm like oh god this is the house isn't it and i checked the house number and it was the next one down so the next house down from there was pristine nice trim lawn a nice brick walkway and like you know like a nice yeah average house in the suburbs so that immediately i was felt like a little bit better and i knocked on the door the guy was super nice he brought out a camera bag for me he had a charger right outside his doorway like to plug in like lights or appliances so i was able to plug in the camera to like make sure the battery could charge and uh yeah the camera was real this guy's friend was actually his friend and neighbor and he was a super nice guy. He was telling me like he was trying to sell basketball jerseys at uh, this garage sale and nobody wanted to buy his jerseys. So he was kind of just like bitching to me. And he was telling me he thought he was thinking about buying the camera for like his niece or nephew or something. And I explained to him like this camera is basically like a turd compared to their iPhone. Like. The the best uh setting on the camera is seven twenty sixty p. That's like really yeah because it does ten eighty 
but it's 30 frames interlaced and HD footage interlaced looks like garbage in everyone's opinion. Somehow the VX gets away with it, but yeah, 72060p is the, uh, the ideal settings for this camera. And I told him like, you know, I was basically trying to convince him at the last minute not to like turn me down because <laughs> I had driven all the way and I like found the camera was real and working and uh, yeah, bought the camera on the spot and it has been serving me well. I actually put my fisheye on it from the VX2100. I have a screw mount Century Mark II and with the adapter, it fits on at the perfect distance to when I crop it to four thirds, the VIG looks just like the VX, like the dark in the corners. So it yeah. it worked out perfect. So I'm super happy with it. That's cool. I was filming was on Sunday. Yes, no, today's Sunday. Yesterday, my buddy got a. He just recently bought an HMC, and I gave him like one of the Opteca, just those cheap Opteca lenses because he doesn't mm-hmm. have a fisheye. They're solid um, though. They do the job. I, yeah, they're sick. So he got an adapter because it was like 58 mil and same deal, just cropped in or whatever. So you can just like either zoom in a little bit or, but just filming with that camera yesterday, I was like, damn, man, I miss like something about exactly. a camcorder, just like the top, the top handle and stuff. It just yep. works so well. Like I have a handle and stuff from my A7S that when I don't have it on the gimbal, I'll just throw it on top, but it's not as heavy. It kind it's of, a, it's a weight thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, weight the weight of it is so sure. nice so like i don't want to just throw heavy things on it because then my camera bag just gets heavier and heavier but mm-hmm. it's just uh yeah i miss it man yeah unfortunately the hmc 150s are not much of like a hidden gem so they go for like yeah. a good amount of money like pretty close to a grand yeah. and like mm-hmm. on a whim i'm not really just gonna like buy an hmc 150 like that's just not in the budget but the exactly. HVX, you know, I, I found a, a little deal and like figured it was worth a shot. Like worst case, I'll just like flip it if I don't like it, but definitely going to hold on to it. Yeah. It's, a, it's been fun so far, but it has some, uh, some downsides for sure. Yeah. But still, it's like that Are kind you? of like, it's that thing that you look for, like you miss in a VX, you know, that camcorder style, but it has the benefit of at least being somewhat HD. Yeah, and especially yeah. using the same fisheye from my VX, it's like so familiar yeah. when you film with right. it. Like, there is like no learning curve, other than like getting used to the different like controls and like the ND filter and setting the white balance mm-hmm. and stuff. But it's like pretty much all the same as the VX, but it has memory cards and no tapes, no glitches. No. Big plus, a huge advantage. Yeah, major advantage in my book. Also, just the fact that you can take the fisheye off and have the rocker zoom and film long lens stuff, I miss that so much because filming with, I know you can get the, for uh, like mirrorless cameras, you can get the lenses with a little switch. I think Grant C has one actually. Yeah. Is that the same one that Grant has? This is the same exact lens that uh, Grant C uses that he recommended to me. It's the Sony 18 to 105 F4, which is a crop sensor lens for the Sony E-mount, but it has a um, somewhat of like a a Handycam style zoom rocker built into the lens. So it's a little more like using a camcorder where you can just zoom with your thumb instead of trying to rotate a ring 
which I've never enjoyed. But some people do. Yeah, that's what I do right now because I just can't. I mean, that lens there is reasonably priced, but it's a crop sensor and my A7S is full frame. So it seems kind of like a waste to put the money towards that lens when I'm, it's not really using the camera to full potential. But then the nearest full frame version of that lens is like $2,500, which is more than I paid for the body of my camera. So it just doesn't make sense. And it's tough to find even manual zooming lenses that are smooth enough to use um, for video because most of them just aren't designed for that. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure someone out there has a good one, but I don't know. That's the one I would say the only negative that I've run into with uh, using a mirrorless camera. Yeah, I would say because you've got the A6300, which is a crop sensor body, you would be... um pretty solid getting this uh 18 to 105 for that but also grant c was using it on his a7s like when it was like low light situations and something about the a7s sensor being like lower megapixel it doesn't hurt the quality too much when you use it in crop mode yeah i know like i had a fish eye lens that was uh yeah same thing it was made for like a crop sensor and i would just I mean, it had crazy vig. It was the same. It's the same one that Charlie Crumlish used for a long time on his A7S. Mm-hmm. And you would just film it normal, and then just either cut it, like zoom in in the in post, or the camera has a setting where you can film in crop sensor mode, and it'll just kind of zoom in a little bit, like a digital zoom. Mm-hmm. And that was okay. But I recently bought a fisheye that's for full uh, full frame, and I don't know if it's just in my head or if it actually is better quality, but. I just like knowing that I'm at least using the entire sensor and it's not, I'm not just kind of wasting my money. Like why buy a full frame camera if I'm just going to use the wrong lenses, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely see that perspective because I did a similar thing. Uh, I started with an a7 II and when I put this 18 to 105 crop sensor on crop sensor lens onto that body, the video footage was disgusting they were like crazy artifacts and it was like super noisy and I was really bummed because like I spent a bunch of money on this camera and like the lens that I bought it to use with it was not working. So that's why yeah, I sold work. that camera and then got an A6300. So like the crop sensor lens with the crop body, that's, you know, the way it's made. But something, so I think... So I don't know like the full explanation, but I had the a7 II, which is a 24 megapixel sensor. And for video, 24 megapixels is way, way overkill because HD video is what, like 1080 by 1220 or something like that, like width and height. So that's around one point something megapixels maybe 1.5 megapixels so when one of the when these cameras are recording video it has to get rid of so much information it has to like skip skip lines on the sensor it has to like bin a bunch of info and like compress it and stuff and that's the reason why when you switch it to crop mode on an a7 II, the footage looks horrible because the sensor has too many pixels but the a7s is a 12 megapixel sensor. So every pixel takes up a larger area on the sensor. And I guess what that results in when you switch to crop mode, 
you don't have as much information to discard and deal with. And I think being an A7S, it's more video focused already. So maybe that Sony just did a better job in the firmware in how it switches to crop mode and how it records video in that setting. Because Grand C's filmed a bunch of footage with the A7S in crop mode and it looks great. Like I couldn't tell the difference between yeah. that and the A63. So you definitely wouldn't be going wrong either way going with that lens. Yeah. You're right. But yeah, there's our there's our tech talk. <clears throat> we definitely got into it. <laughs> it's unavoidable, yeah, but I love it. Retirement, I'm sorry. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now nah, we do this for us. We could talk about whatever yeah. we want. How's school going yeah. these days? I feel like you've been in school for a like a bit now, Forever. right? Like on and off. Like, yeah. are you still doing the? Um, I know you were working with like the like power lines, like you were doing like high yeah. high voltage stuff, like like pretty gnarly. Are you still doing that kind of work? Yeah. Like what's what's happening lately? No. So the way the way my program is set out, it's uh, it was a three year program and. Every, I think it was, it was like two semesters at school, so normal school semesters, and then you would do like a four-month co-op placement. So you would just apply for these jobs, and as a co-op student, um, and there was a total of three co-ops for the entire program. So that job that I did, where I was working on just yeah, medium to high voltage equipment, just substation service and random stuff like that. That was a I did that for the summer of 2019, I think. Yeah, because it was right before I went down and saw you, mm-hmm. um, and that was cool. It was, yeah, it was cool work, like working up north, kind of getting to see, like, I don't know, interesting pieces of equipment, getting yeah, working at heights, stuff like that. So I did that for a bit, and then yeah, back in school, and now I'm done. I've done three co-ops, and I'm like I said, yeah, I have two weeks left of school, and then I'll have, yeah, I'll have my diploma or whatever. I'm just trying to get through it, man. It's been such a grind, but um, it's been okay. It's been weird because, I mean, it's college. I guess in the States, you guys, college and university, I don't know if it's like as different as it is in Canada. But for us, college is supposed to be way more hands-on. You do a lot more labs and you get to, it's like trade. It's for trades, right? Like you go to college to go work in a trade. And since everything's been online because of COVID, it's just not been the same. So there's been some kind of pluses like my schedule is a bit more flexible. I can work at my own speed. I don't have to leave my house to do any of my schoolwork, but uh, you don't get like all the benefits of what the college experience is supposed to be. So that's been kind of a a bummer, but they've been getting back into it this semester, bringing us into school every other week and kind of smaller class sizes and stuff. So we can work with some of the equipment, but I'll send done. Yeah. I'll be in in two weeks. I'll be done. If everything goes to plan and, uh, yeah, I'll be able to move on to bigger and better things. Because I was thinking about this. I think the last time I saw Freddie was you and him drove up. I don't know if you were visiting him in Buffalo, and then you both drove up to Toronto for the day. Do you remember that, Justin? Yeah, so I and, went to uh, Buffalo to just to visit Fred for the weekend. And then I don't know if we planned it ahead of time, but we realized like Toronto was right across the border. So we made plans, and then I hopped in Fred's car, the Camry at the time. Right, and dude, we, the uh, Camry, dude, the I red love Camry, that dude, that vehicle did a lot of miles, like 
that thing went way through more. Shit. Yeah, that thing had a rough life, but it served us Dude, well. I drove that thing from Long. I, I drove <laughs> that from Long Island to Buffalo. It's not even my car. What? How? <laughs> well, you you should feel grateful because I... Fred didn't let a lot of people drive that car. He barely let me drive it on oh, trips. That's... He let me drive it like when he was at the brink of like passing out at the wheel. Yeah. Uh-huh. that's the situation we were in. We left Long Island like super early in the morning and he drove for a bit and then it was getting sketchy to the point where he was going to fall asleep. So I took over and uh, drove most of the way. But that thing, oh, that thing was mint, dude. That thing was, yeah. Does he still have it? It must have, it must have no, gone scoped, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. I think he like Nothing threw a connecting through. rod and it like punched a hole in the block. Yeah, and like yeah. he opened oh, the hood, and there doing? was just there was just Drag a hole racing? in the engine. Yeah, yeah. I think he um, think ready, he punched it, and it just like downshifted a couple gears, and just bang, it was dead. That thing went cross country <laughs> twice, bro. It just eventually just took its own life. It's like I'm done. I'm. It's yeah. like from 1992. That poor thing. Yeah, dude. That thing went up. The thing lived. I went up and down yeah. between Buffalo and Long Island, like probably every other weekend for a yeah. couple of years when Fred was going to college in Buffalo. And then it made multiple trips to Florida and back. So that had a hard life. Yeah, dude, dude, yeah. Like from Buffalo to Long Island to Florida multiple times, cross country twice. Wow. Not to mention all other random, like when we went to Pittsburgh. Like, yeah, that thing was, I mean, for all the shit, it lasted. It lasted. Yeah, it oh, it, yeah, it owed pretty nothing by the end. Yeah. Nothing, yeah. But, oh, why did I start? Yeah, I was saying We're that. talking about Toronto. When, yeah, I had just started school when you came up with, uh, with Freddie and actually along the same lines of you reading a book at the street gym, I remember asking you about algebra at a street spot and you kind of like wrote on a little notepad and you kind of showed me a few little equations. And I remember mm-hmm. keeping that notepad for a minute and you kind of like kickstarted my college uh, experience. So I was going to thank you for that. That's awesome. You're welcome. I remember um, we were riding that, that like crazy slant wall, like monument spot. I think I shot a photo of Ontario you. Place. Doing like a yeah, yeah, doing a big tuck on it, and it's actually probably one of my favorite riding photos I've shot. As back when I had a Hasselblad, which is like a yeah, medium format film yeah. camera. You shot this photo too. I don't know with what. Maybe it was the same cam. That uh, was with my Leica. Uh, back in back in that time, oh, okay. I was kind of like a camera baller, and I had all the like expensive, fancy German. Cameras. Yeah, you were really going all out for a minute. Yeah, I've, I like basically yeah, yeah. moved all those cameras and now they're worth double now. Some of them even more. So I should have hung on wow. to all those cameras because uh, the film photography market just like blew up in recent years. Yeah. So I fucked up there. But anyway, I buy the cameras just to use them, to enjoy them. So like, I'm not too bummed. Like whatever I had paid, I got my money back. So... It's just crazy now to see the way things go. Like, yeah. At the time, I bought the Hasselblad for, I think, like eight fifty, U.S. dollars, and now they sell for two grand. Holy shit! No way. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Leica. I had a Leica M4P, which is a thirty-five millimeter film camera, 
It's actually a Leica that was manufactured in Germany. Or no. Leicas are normally manufactured in Germany, which is like what makes them sort of desirable and prestigious. But the one that I had was manufactured in Canada. So like Leica Purists didn't want them at the time. So I picked up Why? the camera. Why? They're for sure the best one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're definitely not biased saying that at all. <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> but the, the story goes that Leica, as a brand, was doing really poorly. They had just um, rolled out the Leica M5, which was like a super ugly camera that like almost brought the whole brand down. And to cut costs, they switched manufacturing to Germany and came out with this like super stripped down like basic camera which was the m4p didn't have a light meter it uh it had some of the like the the nice leica features but anyway like because it wasn't made in germany it wasn't super desirable so i picked up the camera for 600 bucks and now they sell for around 14 1500 used wow so yeah, I should have hung on to those, but yeah. that's the reason I have video cameras now, because I sold those, so it's all good. It all works out. For sure. So yeah, that was... Uh, do you remember Freddy trying to grind that kinker in Toronto and just losing his mind? I kind of don't want to think about it, because I feel... I feel responsible to some extent because I kind of brought you guys there, but yeah, man, poor Fred just gets so in his head and like, right. he, was, he was saying so many mean things to himself that I just didn't Plastic. want him to be saying. And then he, I think he tried to hop on, maybe he hurt his ankle and then, uh, dude, and then he sat in the car for like probably five hours or four hours while we, you and I just went riding. I forgot oh, about God. that part. Yeah. Now I feel a little bit worse, but. Yeah, dude. Oh, Freddie Freddie likes doing that to himself though. That was yeah. like his his specialty for like some reason, dude. He just punishes himself Blasted for no Freddy. reason and like yeah. I think he I don't know, I think he was like FaceTiming his girlfriend the entire time, so I didn't feel that bad, but he was just like yeah, man. I mean, yeah, that was like the classic Freddie like I remember I wanna say it was his first handrail in in Washington DC. I think you were there, right, Justin? I wasn't there, and but I know the clip. It's in the, um, there? the one with the ledge. The no yeah, the one with the ledge. ledge. Right? The one with the ledge. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the whole time he was like, fuck you. Fuck. Fucking do it. Fuck you. Just like, mm-hmm. he, I mean, just the classic Fred would just curse himself out for like a good 20 minutes before, like, you know, the attempt. And then, yeah. He'd call himself a coward. Yeah, like five times. Oh my God. Don't be a yeah, he, Don't be a you fucking coward. You Freddy. fucking coward. Yeah, he would just insult Freddy, and degrade dude. himself until he was so ashamed that he would have to and try like, it. But it worked. And like, like he he would used to do that at like every yeah. handrail he ever rode. And it's funny because it's like obviously we got used to it. But then like you yeah. he rides with like someone, you know, like I'm sure you Joel like seeing him try to do this kink rally and you just see him cursing at himself the whole time like what the fuck is his deal you know it was always funny I mean, like I when yeah it's just funny when like yeah i knew him well enough that i expected it but yeah 
he hit like he would scare people yeah. like who didn't know like what the fuck is he doing like i just <laughs> yeah. it, it, let it let him do his thing don't even don't even bother because then you like try and talk to him or something and he would just like it's like it didn't it just kind of went in the other in one ear out of the other and he would just like be focused on insulting himself yeah um, yeah I he did the, the same thing in, uh, in providence he wanted to i think he just wanted to grind this like pretty big rail in providence and after like insulting and degrading himself for like 15 20 minutes he sent it down the rail and he feebled the rail nosedived off the end of it and his bars went like uh dan crook style yeah. bars moved and yeah, everything yeah, yeah. and he like hastily jammed the bars back into position and like tightened the stem down i think the next try he smithed the rail and like slipped off a little early and i think he rolled away from it and that was like the make was like he smithed this big handrail this big square Wait, rail was there problem. video of this i think like i yeah, saw maybe phone footage of it yeah i think there's or phone footage actual, yeah i think i was riding the rail with freddie or dude i think i had like horrible horrible stomach pain and had to find a bathroom i think i was like dying and i just left freddie to do his thing like i was like i can't deal with this man i gotta find a bathroom and when i came back they were showing me the footage i think somebody filmed it on like a camcorder like a handy cam uh, okay. but it was like one of the prov locals so i think they did uh, maybe i saw like a recording the of the of the video camera then yeah, I just remember was, seeing the feeble to like Dan Crook bars. The feeble shit. to Crook bars, and then I, I think the Smith, yeah. the Smith was. I think he did like Smith, and then kind of like slipped to double peg. Yeah. But after after like riding away from that with his life, he just he just took that like it wasn't worth the risk at that point. Oh, but Fred. classic Fred. I miss him, guy. Yeah, we miss him. He's been hitting me up to um to cruise around, so that should be cool yeah he's living he's like he's living in long island yeah so he lives um like on the very border of queens and he's an engineer oh. for a uh a u.s defense contractor so he's doing pretty well for himself he's got a wife so he's got a wife yeah he's he's definitely been busy away from riding he's like yeah. a master coder now too like he he went through all these like boot camps and training courses to learn computer programming so really? Fred, fred's doing well one of his hobbies is convincing you to code yeah he convinces everyone to code at one point yeah he had me on this training course i was paying like a monthly subscription to do uh to learn python i was doing free online courses at a time mm-hmm Watch and out! Then, he'll, he'll enlist you. Yeah, yeah. Next time you talk to him, maybe he he convinces you. But I'm sure that point I mean, when I, like both you, you and me were doing it, he was probably like the happiest in his life. Just like, oh my god, everyone I know is coding. Yep, he's convinced. I tried. His sister. I mean, I had to do it a little bit. I had to do it a bit for school, and it's just I can't. I mean, I can't get into it. Like it's just so not how my brain works. I mean, some people just get it. I, I yeah. Don't know. Like a different language, you know, you gotta be able to exactly understand. I'm like somewhere in between. It definitely doesn't come easy to me. But I feel like when I'm really focused on like coding and trying to solve a problem, you like learn to think 
in like the programming language in terms of it. And it's like, it's kind of just like solving a math problem with like a different tool set. And it's kind of satisfying in a way, but it's a lot of hours in front of the computer at a keyboard. And it's not really how I want to spend my time, especially not as like a job. Like I don't want to, to be at a computer 40, 50 hours a week. So I moved on. Yeah, it was like I didn't really mind. I didn't really mind it, but it was like it was hard for me to like really, you know, really learn like on my own. Like I was doing some like free online stuff, but like I feel like at the end of the day, to like really learn, you need to do a fucking coding boot camp, like you you know, full time, yeah, yeah. five, six, and I just feel like. It was like, I don't know if leisurely learning coding is really any benefit to me right now. Like I was just kind of spending like a few hours a week learning coding, but like it wasn't enough to where I would really get anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. So Joel, you still with us? Oh yeah. All right. We're back. Joel had some, uh, some technical difficulties with the AirPods. You know, he's the first person to have his AirPods die. So... We had to pause for a moment. Rookie move. <laughs> it's all good. So what were we talking about? Freddie talking about yeah. programming. Let's talk about helmets. I see a whole row of helmets behind you. You're a, you're a veteran helmet biker, right? Yeah, I man. I, uh, I recently joined the club. What has uh, what made you want to ride in a helmet? And for so long, too. It's just one of those things that like when I start, so, okay, I started riding, I was riding like mountain bikes first, obviously you wear a helmet when you mountain bike. And then I started riding like dirt jumpers, still wearing a helmet. And then I just started riding a BMX bike and had my helmet on. And it just got to the point where it just, it feels more comfortable um, when I'm wearing a helmet. And that's pretty much the only reason. I mean, realistically, it's not that it's not going to help me that much, but it's enough to where I'm like not having to worry about hitting my head. Sometimes if I'm like just warming up or just cruising a ledge or something, I won't, I won't be wearing it. And then I'll be like, Oh damn, I should just throw it on. So I don't know. To me, it's just like, it doesn't bother me. It's not annoying to wear and it's a little bit of extra safety. So I'm like, why not? Why wouldn't I? Interesting. Yeah. So you think the transition from just when you started riding a helmet was like not even really a question. Like you just were like, oh, mountain bikes to BMX. Like I'll wear a helmet when I ride. Like, and you just stuck with it. Like you never got like peer pressure to ditch the helmet or anything. Cause like, I feel like especially now it seems pretty acceptable, but maybe like six, seven years ago, I feel like riding in a helmet, you know, I'd be like, what are you so afraid of, bro? Like, <laughs> what are you, little bitch? You got to wear a helmet. Like, was your mommy going to hold yeah. your hand when you grind the handrail? Like, it just wasn't to cool. Head, yeah. I don't know. I've gotten like, a lot of concussions in the past. And, like, I know that the helmet that I wear, it's not, like, the best, but um, it's better than nothing. And, yeah, concussions suck. And it's funny, dude. I've, I've barely put any thought into it. Like, you asking me is the most I've thought about it. I feel like since I started riding and it's funny to be like, Oh, why do I wear one? And I can only equate it to, yeah, 
riding mountain bikes, wearing a helmet. And then I never even noticed, like I was watching bike videos when I was getting into it. I never even noticed that no one was wearing helmets. Right. And uh, I don't know. It's kind of, I think it's cool that, I mean, I don't, I'm not, yeah, because I wear one, I don't see someone wearing a helmet like Alex Donicky or something and go, oh, that guy's wearing a helmet. It's just, just, just riding. But it's cool to see dudes like that ride street and wear helmets and I don't know, whatever. It's just my preference, I suppose. Interesting. Yeah. It's funny because like, as you kind of like, once Justin just brought it up, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, you do ride in a helmet. Like, it's one of those, like, I forget, you know? And then even like, yeah, yeah Alex Donicky too. And it's like, you just don't really think about it. Yeah. I feel like on skateboards, maybe it's because like a skateboard is pretty small. So a helmet in proportion stands yeah. out. Uh-huh. But a bike is kind of a big object. So maybe you're just drawn to the bike and not so much. Exactly. Yeah. On I don't know. It's, it's weird, but uh, yeah. It never bothered me. How come you started wearing one recently, Justin? What was the move? What was the reason for that move? Um, well, I had like talked about it with Austin here and there. Like we I, have this conversation all the time. I feel like yeah, I just think like even, randomly. It's like yeah, I don't know. I kind of want to wear a helmet. Yeah, I think even like, before oh, we started doing the podcast, I yeah. um was just thinking about it. Like it just seemed silly not to be wearing one when like. You know, it could really, it could keep you from getting, like, a major brain injury. And, like, who cares if you don't look super cool wearing it? Like, it's not really, like, it doesn't matter how you look, really, at the end of the day. And uh, Justin Kerr had that, like, traumatic crash. I don't know exactly what happened, but hit his head really bad, cracked skull, like, I think, bleeding and internal bleeding in his brain like like seriously like a a life-threatening injury and that was just when i was like i'll just put on my helmet like it's not i don't need to like make such a big deal out of it like just try it and uh yeah started riding in a helmet i had the classic protec bucky lasik which is like a potato chip with soft foam inside Mm -hmm. of it so, like, it's basically, it's purely for show. And uh, I was riding in that, like, on, like, a trial basis. And I got pretty used to it. So I just got a um a more, like, fancy certified triple eight sweat saver. And uh, I've been riding that. I fucked up and I got a gray one. And I don't like it. So I think I'm going to spray paint it black. But Just paint it, dude. That's what I do to mine. Yeah, I feel like it'll look kind of cool once it gets scratched up. Like uh, Chris Zepieri, <laughs> a, uh, a Long Island Don, I think he used to ride a white helmet spray-painted black, and then it would get all worn at like the edges, and the white would show through. And I always thought it looked kind of cool. So maybe it'll have that effect. Yeah, Zep was an OG helmet. Dude, That's Mouthguard true. too. He was like full-on yeah. football player. Yeah, he definitely didn't give a fuck what anybody thought about his uh his safety equipment. Good for him. Honestly, good for him. So uh when you're cruising like the street, like riding spot to spot, do you wear the helmet or do you clip it to the bag? Depends. Um 
if I, I don't know, if we're wrapping, if I was riding a spot and then we're moving, like I'll just keep my helmet on. But sometimes if I'm just, if it's super hot out, that's the one thing with helmets is like mine's black and it basically is like a, I don't know, it's like a pot on your head that's just coming yeah. your head all the time. So sometimes I'll just take it off, wear my hat, um, and yeah, just clip it to my bag. But most of the time I'll just have it on all the time. Gotcha. Yeah, because I've been uh, taking the the helmet on and off between every spot. Like when I'm cruising to and from spots, I just switch over to the hat because it's more comfortable. But it's kind mm-hmm. of a pain in the ass. So I'm thinking about just rocking the helmet 90% of the time and, you know, not switching back and forth. Because it like riding in the helmet, because it, like, once it's on, it doesn't sweat. Is that what you mean? Or you just hate no. kicking it on and off? It's just annoying to have to constantly keep clipping it onto the bag and then switch to the hat and switch back to the hat and the helmet. It's just like, right. like when at the streets, uh, dawn of the streets, <laughs> I was, uh, it just made me think about it because there's obviously a lot of like mobbing through the street when we were riding. And every time we'd go spot to spot, I was taking the helmet off and it was just like a little annoying. So it made me uh, just curious what other people do because our buddy Anthony Quadros, who's a helmet biker, he just rocks it like full time. Like if he's like on a bike or he's out riding, he just keeps it on. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Just like set it and forget it, like not have to keep making the decision is, of whether you want to wear it or not kind of thing. It is funny that we're even talking about taking your helmet off to bike to another spot. Like most people would be like, why? That's when you should be wearing it is when you're cycling around. Exactly. And we're like, nah, I'm just going to take it off now. And like, realistically, there's more risk, especially if you're in the city, if you're in Manhattan and you're riding on the road, there's way more risk. Right. And you should be, you should wear a helmet. But to to our like twisted brains, it makes more sense to take it off. To like I'm not stunting, so why should I wear a helmet? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like I'm not gonna get hurt, but it's like I mean that's not how accidents happen. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's how Tony Nyer got really hurt too. They were um, oh, right? they're riding in L.A. I think doing one of like the the like rideouts from the block. I don't know if they still have that shop, but they had like a sort of like a BMX shop, clothing shop. I think in LA and they used to do like weekly rides and I think there was like a crew mobbing down the street with traffic and somebody like clipped Tony Nyer's tire or bumped his tire and like sent him into a car and he went down and hit his head and same thing like similar to Justin Care like I think he was like a freak accident he was in like critical condition and you know, traumatic brain injury kind of thing. And now he's a uh, a full-time helmet rider. Yeah. Did you guys see his clip in that new cinema video? I Like, as a guest clip, that was so crazy. Did you watch oh, it? Oh, yeah. I didn't get a chance to watch it yet, no. Yeah, just, that was it. Like, this gap to rail, there's like a huge overcrook. I mean, that like... I hadn't seen footage from him in a minute, and then seeing that, I was like... See, that clip, after not seeing anything, was like, damn, Tony Nair still got it. Yeah. 
I'm trying to think because I, f- I feel like I saw other footage of him somewhat recently. I don't remember the exact video, but he made some appearance where I was like, oh, yeah, Tony Nyer, he's, he's still around. <laughs> so that's cool. He's got a clip in the cinema video, too. Yeah. Did you guys see that Odyssey yellow video? No, I didn't get a chance yeah, to see it. was cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, I was like, it definitely just made me click on it because I wanted to know if the video was going to be what I expected. Because I think the thumbnail is just a yellow traffic light and it's just, the video is just called Odyssey Bikes Yellow. And the premise of the video was just that they only rode spots with yellow things. Like the spot was either yellow or the wall in the background or something. Like basically there was some yellow. It was some sort of yellow in in the clip. Uh Uh-huh. And they still, like they definitely rode good spots, but some of the spots were just like doing what they could on some weird yellow piece of metal. Like it wasn't, it wasn't all the perfect like California school ledges and stuff. So I thought it was a cool video and uh, it made me sort of like feel some sort of kinship because we're working on this rock video where we're only filming clips on rock spots. And in a way it's a similar concept. You get, Am I wrong to think you guys have been working on this for like two years? This is like the deadline of rock videos. <laughs> I mean, the hype behind this is just going to be through the roof. Oh, yeah. yeah right? like every podcast, we hype it up like, yo, yeah. wait for the rock video. Just wait, bro. Just wait for these rocks. Dude, I'm thinking like two more filming sessions and we'll, I'll drop the rock video. It's, it's coming soon. Yeah. Maybe I'll send you a preview before it's like out out or something just to get some feedback how are the rocks in mallorca austin are they as good as the long island rocks uh, far and few really it's more too yeah. volcanic it's like all i mean maybe there's like rocks but they're like i don't know they're not the same they're not the same more like boulders <laughs> more like pebbles <laughs> yeah yeah they just don't hit the it's same really you know small. Sandy, you know, it's tough. I can't wait. Yeah, they don't hit the same. Have you been working on anything, Joel? Yeah, I've been chipping away at like uh, just a video that I know every summer I try to get some kind of video going. It's been tough while I'm in school, but um, I've got a decent amount of stuff. And I'm also working on a video with Mike Gray again that we've been kind of just chipping away at all summer. And then a video with uh, my buddy Chijo, he rides for Merit and Kink. Yo. I don't know if you guys know him. Dude, Great best rider. rider. Amazing yeah, bike yeah. rider. He's like, okay, like, some of this, like some of the stuff he do- he did for this video, like I can't wait. My so we've been working way at uh so I kinda got like three videos on the go. But for yeah, of me, it's just been go out and when those dudes aren't getting clips, I just try to like get something. Yeah, yeah just always trying to keep like some some kind of project. Yeah, I feel like you've always been good at like every year dropping a video, which is always nice to see. I've been trying, dude. Last year was the like I was one of the first years that I kind of missed, and I don't know why. Maybe just because of like COVID and stuff, but I just didn't kind of I didn't get around to it. But this year has been like motivating and just riding yeah. with dudes like Mike and Chijo who are so good. You just kind of want to. You speed off a bit. Yeah. 
And funny enough, dude, the first, I think the reason I tried to, I started doing that like yearly video thing was because Craig would always have like Craig Passero primo, yeah. whatever the year or, and he would always, it would always be a pre, I don't know if it was, yeah, it was always a primo. It was always primo. Yeah, it was for primo. Yeah. And it was like four and a half minutes or like four minutes of crazy footage, all VX. And yeah. I just remember thinking that was so sick. I'm like, as a, as a dude who was like, I mean, he was, I guess, pro at that time too. And he would just, he's always been working, but he would always just make the time to film a really sick edit mm-hmm. uh, on top of the whammo videos and whatever else he might've been working on. So I remember thinking that was cool. And that's kind of like how I modeled. I tried to model my stuff, but it's obviously yeah. not the same. That's cool. Yeah. I had no idea. I actually was uh, lucky to help him film like a few of those videos. Yeah. I think the like second yeah, or third too. one, I like just contributed like maybe some footage. And then like the last two, I'm pretty sure I filmed like the whole thing, more or less. So it's cool that you like those videos. I appreciate it. I thought of the one clip. Oh, of course, man, no problem. I thought of the one clip where he does, he does like this, uh, it's like down flat to hard 180 on this big rail, and then his bars get caught in his shirt and just like stretch the shirt out real bad. And then you hear your laugh. <laughs> I'm like, Justin, just like, Craig's so bummed that his shirt's ruined, and you're like, oh, <laughs> He wanted me to take that out too. He hated that in the intro. And then we sent it to like, I guess Adam 22 or we sent it to somebody else and they thought it was hilarious. And he was like, the best. I guess you could freaking use it, dude. God damn it. He was was bummed, but I thought it was really funny. (laughs) Yeah. It was was like his favorite tank top. Yeah. It was like that, like pale blue. Was that a seven 11 tank top? It might've been. Yeah. I think it was. Tank top. I need a seven tank top. Mm-hmm. I need oh, a set. That's what we need. You guys don't understand the snack game in the states compared to Canada. Like you can walk into a Sevs with five dollars US and leave with so many good things and a Slurpee, which is a good thing. and a Slurpee. In Canada, dude, you go in for like a I don't know, like one bottle of soda. It's gonna cost you three fifty. I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's different. God, I miss Seven Eleven. But it's a trade off because you have Tim Hortons, which I'm pretty jealous yeah, I of. I mean, okay, yeah, Tim's is pretty good, but it's like I can't really eat anything there because, like, I don't want to get into like diet things, but I can't eat gluten stuff, and like everything yeah. they sell is just dough in different. Sh- <laughs> yeah. So I can't I can't appreciate it as much as maybe you guys would up here, but. But you have Dunkin's. We could do this all day. I mean, you guys, at the end exactly. of the day, you have more. I remember there was a, a Tim Hortons that opened up in BCN. I think it lasted a year. No. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Bro, isn't BCN known for, like, nice coffee spots? Yeah, and, like, it's espresso? I mean, it, it yeah. was, I, I remember when it opened. It was, like, so I, I, I don't understand why it opened. I mean, there's, like, you know, the, obviously there's Starbucks there and stuff. And then you have other, like, you know, nice you know, craft coffee places and, and whatnot, and then, like, maybe one or two Dunkin' Donuts. But then to the, there'd just be a random Tim Hortons. It was like, who the fuck thought this was a good idea? Bro, they're trying to diversify their, their portfolio. Like, you know what? Barcelona seems like a, a potential market. And yeah. there's just no dice. 
Yeah, they should have known the audience. And like they opened up in like, you know, a high population area and it's still it tanked. It didn't it didn't last long. Poor them. I'm sure they're doing fine, financially speaking. Yeah. I feel like the same thing would probably happen here if Tim Hortons like gave it a shot. Cause like Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks is already like they own the exactly. block. Yeah, yeah. So like yeah. they would probably just get pushed out like it wouldn't work. Yeah. They have some in Buffalo. That's about as far yeah. south as I've seen. Yeah, because I remember Fred would always like rave about Tim Hortons to me. Hey, dude, you got to get the double-double. It's like, what are you talking about, double-double? <laughs> I just thought that that was a, like, you can't go to Dunkin' and order a double-double. They wouldn't know what you're talking about? No, they I mean, would look at you like yeah, you're crazy. I, so how do you order two cream, two sugar in a coffee? You say two cream, two sugar? Yeah. yeah. I thought when you said double-double, it was like a cheeseburger. Dude, yeah. Honestly, I, that didn't thing. make any sense like, to me. I was like, what kind of food item is this? Like, no, it's the type of coffee, bro. Like, double of what? <laughs> I mean, Vic, what do you normally put in sugar? Or in coffee, cream and sugar. So it's double-double. It's Fair kind enough. of, it's borderline. Just like It seems excessive, though. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like at that point, get a milkshake. <laughs> You're right. Dude, there are people up here who get four by fours. Like four cream, four sugar. <laughs> like half, half of the cup is just milk or cream and sugar. It's gnarly. Four by four. I just love that Like people go there like, can I get one four by four, a double double, and they're ordering like drinks. I don't know. It just... It sounds like they're ordering burgers, like Justin said. Or like lumber. Are there, Let me get a two by just, four, a six by yeah. eight, a four by four. <laughs> they just start handing you some wood. Yeah. <laughs> but they're just ordering coffee with a shit ton of sugar in it. God, dude. <laughs> Can't do it. Can't do it. So, yeah, the question <laughs> is, Joel, you, you told us you're working on a video. Is, are you still yeah. running the VX? So I feel like all of your, basically the videos you've done in the past, I think they're like merit projects, right? They were yeah. all on your VX 1000, right? Yeah. But you have you switched over to HD for this new video? Yeah, because now when I go out riding, I have my it's A7S, the A6300. It would just be insane to carry a VX with me as well. I did so that for a bit. by default, I'm switching. Um, it's the a pain last... in the ass. It's not worth it. No, dude. It's such a pain. And like my bag's heavy enough. The last video I filmed for Merit was VX. And that was just like it's easier to hand a VX. I find it's for someone who doesn't film, it's easier to hand them a VX and say, okay, just point it, use this zoomy thing, mm-hmm. and just kind of keep make sure I'm in the middle the whole time. And they can like figure that out. But if you hand someone an A7S with a manual lens. Okay, yeah. Turn it like this at the beginning. You know, it's just impossible to explain. Yeah. So I filmed VX for a long time. And then now that I'm riding with Chidro and Mike a lot, um, they kind of know how the cameras work and stuff better. So I've been filming, VX, or filming more HD. But nice. I would like to keep working with VX stuff. It's just, yeah, it, it wouldn't work. So you're still yeah, hanging on to that VX1000, right? Oh, dude, it's just sitting 
but you probably can't see it. It's sitting somewhere back there. Actually, maybe you can see it right there. Just yeah, on display. I just have it, have it sitting in a little box so dust can't get to it. I honestly don't see myself ever uh, selling it. Or don't ever sell it. it. You might be able to put your like kids through college with that someday, at least with the Mark One. Do you think so, though? Because like film cameras, yeah, it's a pain compared to digital, but the quality can be just as good once it's like whatever process and everything. But mm-hmm. mini DV tapes, it's, you know, there are few people who really love the warmth of a mini DV tape yeah. you know, footage I versus. Agree. So I just don't see it having that same kind of market unless. I mean, I get skateboarding is massive, so maybe in twenty years, some skater is going to want to spend ten grand. Yeah, but in BMX, the... yeah, no so... way. yeah, BMX riders, there's no way. Yeah, the the film camera community definitely is like a wider market, and there's definitely like a lot of rich guys in like Hong Kong that just collect like a cameras and Hasselblads and like Rolleiflexes and like the rare like German cameras that are super valuable so i don't think the vx1000 would ever like see that sort of like price increase but i think there's always going to be a market for like skateboarders that want to buy them and the cameras there's never going to be any more of them they're always going to be breaking down and getting dropped and the mark ones obviously are way out of production so and the dude the mark one is like the real reason skateboarders love that camera like the footage you know the the three ccd the vx 1000 sensor definitely has like some magic to it but that fisheye is what like all the skaters go crazy for and dude just more and more of them are getting scratched and dropped and stolen and lost and if you have like a mint one like i'm assuming yours is still pretty mint like mine is it looks brand new I bought it new and it looks brand new still. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it'll be worth a few bucks more in the coming years. I think they go for like I a, hope so. like twelve hundred now just for the Mark One, over a grand used. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, because I bought it new from B and H Photo years ago, and it was like nine hundred dollars Canadian, and brand so, freaking new. Yeah. I had, uh, I don't know if you remember, I had one back in the day. It was a Century Mark One with the um, the modded bayonet mount, so it went on a um, VX2100. Yeah, yeah, and I bought it from a skateboarder who had uh, had a really bad lens hit, and the front element was hammered, like huge scratch in it. Even the like the the retaining ring on the outside was kind of beat up, but it still worked. Jeez. And I bought the lens, I think, for like 300 bucks, maybe 350 And then I bought the front element from Schneider Optics, who like bought out Century. And replaced the front element actually in Austin's basement. Austin's dad yeah. helped me fix, put the, put the new uh, lens on it. And uh, yeah, I, I should have saved that too. I think it sold for like eight or 900 bucks on eBay. And now I wish I would have hung on to it because I would have put it on the HVX. I would have like Frankensteined it on, but, <laughs> but too yeah, bad. Yeah, that looks good. So I've seen a few people do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's even um, MK1 screw mounts. There's there's not too many of them, but Chris yeah. Zeppier used to have one. 
And uh, yeah, that would have been pretty easy to throw on like an HVX or an HMC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the Mark II does just fine. I miss how the, like my VX1 MK1 setup, I could film fish without really looking into the viewfinder or anything. And just, I was so like familiar with that setup. And it's mm-hmm. so wide too that it's very forgiving. You don't need to be really dialed. But exactly. I just can't, with my setup now, I have to be really careful of if I'm holding the camera low, like tilt it up and you kind of got to be further back. Yeah. And, dude, I'm this one. One thing about the, uh, the HVX that you would like, that's uh, kind of a downside of the camera. The LCD screen is terrible, especially out dude, in I sunlight. Noticed, it's, dude, when you I look at that the LCD. HMC. It's bad too. Yeah, same thing. Oh, it's, it looks like the the brightness is set to like five out of a hundred. <laughs> the contrast <laughs> is so low, and it looks like you're you looking at high see. eight footage. It looks like yeah. the yeah. worst footage uh-huh. on the LCD. But then when you get on the computer, it looks much better. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Because my buddy, I was using his cam yesterday, and it's good enough to keep the person in frame and kind of as a reference. But I'm like, dude, if this is what the footage is looking like, <laughs> how would you have this set up as? But that's crazy. I guess back then, I mean, when did that camera come out? 2007? Let's see. Um, the HVX, I think the first year of production was 2003. I want to say it went from like wow. 03 to like 06 yeah. or 08. So okay. getting getting pretty old now, you know, like, what is that? 18 years old maximum which yeah for a piece of electronics is like a hundred years exactly dude that's a century old at this point yep but yeah if you could find a deal definitely worth um picking one up just to play with i'm sure they made their way to canada yeah do join the hvx gang I would like to, man, I could see myself having like a camcorder like that and then keeping my A7S as a doubles angle, yeah. but I'm just so committed now with buying the gimbal and all the accessories that you need to make that work proper that it just wouldn't yeah. really make sense. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying this setup right now, so I'm going to run it for a bit. Maybe I'll do what you do. I'll just flip it and then get into something else. As long as I break even every time, we'll see. Yeah, I'm Games trying to uh, to stop selling gear because I always regret it. <laughs> So I bought this HVX just as like an add-on. So I still have my whole like Sony kit that uh, I've been using it as my film scanner. So I like have a macro lens and I take photos of my negatives to scan them because you get super high quality scans and you can do it quickly compared to other scanners. So I don't know if I'm going to sell mine. I might get like an A7S and replace the A63 because I want that like... Mm -hmm that low light magic that the, the only the a7s has it's insane even the old a7s not mm-hmm. even like the two or the three it's yep. amazing i have the yeah i have the first one and i was filming a clip of mike the other day like sun was coming down it was this kind of like crazy roof setup so we didn't really want to come back to it and it was it got to the point where like he barely could see and i just cranked the iso to i don't even know it and you go to like twenty thousand uh, with that camera right yeah, I think I was like at 18 something and yeah, like it's a bit grainy or whatever, but no lights, like not, not having any lights set up. It look it's usable, which is just mm-hmm. such a luxury, completely the opposite of a VX. Like could yeah. not be more the opposite. That's another like 
downside of the HVX. It's very similar to the VX1000 and like its low light capability. So basically once the sun goes down, you got to put a light on the camera. Otherwise, yeah. it's going to be a horrible grainy mush and even then you like can't really see. Like you know there's like graininess that's like not too obtrusive and you can still see like the subject and there's like some contrast. But then with the VX1000, if you like open the lens up all the way and put the gain to the highest setting, it just becomes like a mushy gray nothing. Like it's the footage is useless in my opinion. And the HVX yeah. kind of suffers from that. Does it actually? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you could film like to the point of like dusk, but once the sun is down, you got to put the fish eye on and put the light on it or you're not getting anything usable. but if you're used to the vx like the way that i think the hvx it's just like a vx without tapes like it's to me it's not a real hd camera so as long as you don't look at it that way it's great but 720p is like barely hd like no one's gonna be blown away by the resolution of that footage so also like joel's setup is like it makes sense for him because he's filming like Mike Gray for like Vans projects and shit. So right, like, exactly I, he's not gonna fucking film like a Mike Gray Vans project with like a fucking HVX. I mean, it would come out good, but still, like, it's not as maybe more. That's of, like, not like, what a brands want. They don't want. Yeah, yeah they want exactly. like the last one you made turned out really, really. Clean. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it had like really a professional. I'm, gla- I'm glad. I'm like, glad how it was filmed and like what it was filmed on. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. I mean, that was a big motivator for choosing the setup that I did is because if I want to keep getting work like that and making those kind of videos, you need, unfortunately, yeah, you need to have this, the equipment that they're looking for. And yeah, the Vans videos are always so well produced and yeah, I don't, I didn't want to worry about like the quality of the gear, not being up to par for these companies. Um, Yeah. Because I like if we could film everything on a VX, I would. But no company is gonna pay for a Mike Gray VX edit. Exactly. I mean, he's done it. Like he filmed a really sick one with Dolby, but it just gets to the point where you gotta have the right gear. So, no, I'm I'm happy with it. It's cool. Good learning experience too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the last one came out really good and everything. What do you say? That again? (laughs) Yeah. What did you say, Justin? Uh, I was just going to say that I've thought about getting a gimbal for that reason, like more for like lead-ins and like B-roll and stuff. Like it's just, it's a good tool to have, but I don't, I wouldn't really see myself using it to film like tricks really. I feel like the, I don't know, the style that I prefer, the way that I'm comfortable filming doesn't require a gimbal, I guess. But it's definitely a good, a yeah, very, no, very capable tool in the right hands. Like, dude, I filmed. Yeah. Okay, so I filmed this line of Mike the other day. It was at this spot. It was there were like I don't know step. There were like it was like a three block, I guess. And he was riding it on a diagonal, hopping up each one in a manual. So he was like starting at the bottom and then hopping up the first step. And I used the gimbal, and I was just straight up sprinting, running up these stairs. And I was like, there's no way this footage is going to look good. And it looks crazy, man. Like perfectly smooth. Like he's pretty much in the middle of the frame most of the time, not the entire time. 
And I'm just, I was thinking like, there's no way I could have ever filmed this line fish with a, with a camcorder, like a VX or something. Cause you would have been stuck at the bottom. You would, I would have had to film it long. So it does give you different opportunities, I suppose. A bit more freedom. And like, yeah. Yeah. More freedom. And like, same with Chijo, he was doing this clip where he was like kind of going up and then back down a rail. I started at the top of the stairs and then I just ran down the stairs and followed him. And it's like, when could you ever do that? I mean, you can with the VX if you're really light on your feet. And you're There's like, some skate lizard. filmers, yeah, but, that have like, I've seen like the board switches where they're like filming with one board and they've run up a set of stairs and then they get on one. another board. But like that takes yeah. a lot of luck and skill. And even then it's, it's going to be like a compromise. Like it's going to be kind of shaky. Yeah, exactly. So it's just nice that I don't ever have to worry. Like if I want to film a line, I do not have to worry about anything in the way. It doesn't matter what the ground is like. It doesn't matter if there's grass. And it was actually last year. I was trying to film a line of Mike do this like crazy, like manual thing. He loves these kind of long manual lines. And it was down one set of stairs, down another, and then turn right down another. And I was trying to figure out how to film it. And I ended up filming it long because I couldn't follow him. And that's why I was like, you know what? I don't want to be stuck in that situation again where I want to film it fish and I physically can't because I don't right. have the right setup for it. So it's just nice, man. You don't have to worry about it. But it's not for everyone. I get it. It's like a kind of a different look. But watch all of Daryl Taco's work and it's amazing. It's all, most of it is with a gimbal. And to yeah. me, it just looks so polished. I don't know. I get that it, does, it doesn't take much to set, set up a gimbal and use it, but it just looks so so sick have you ever like seen when gimbal like it almost has like a seasick kind of look i don't know if it's the like the zune like motorized gimbals or maybe it's more of like the steady cam maybe it's more of a glide glide thing but i I always hated when like this the it would almost like it had like a smooth wobble to it and yeah well because there's there's like weights counterbalancing it and it's yeah, not fully but... isolating the camera. The, that was what always kept me from getting one. Like certain footage, you could see it like, it was like the camera was like bobbing up and down really, really slightly. And it just like yeah. made me nauseous to watch. But I don't think yeah, the, the, the like, mm-hmm. yeah, because Grant C filmed um, a couple clips of me and the, that like We The People Perfect Strangers project. And the gimbal footage, like, you couldn't tell there was a gimbal. Like, yeah. it just, there was one clip where it was, like, one of those tricks where you had to do starting from a dead stop and then stopping quickly. And on a board, it would have been hard because you'd have to, like, push off really hard to get up to speed and then slow down, like, pretty pretty quickly. So he just used yeah. the gimbal, and the footage looked like, you couldn't tell at all that it was gimbal footage. Like it just looked smooth and natural. And that definitely gave me thought about uh, maybe getting one. I actually hit him up. I hit him up about, we have like similar camera setups. So I asked him questions. Yeah, he has an A63. Well, he recently upgraded to A7S3. And whatever their new kind of like FX3 or something or whatever that crazy cine body is. Yeah. Yeah, and we then, actually talked uh, about it on he, here. I think like the third episode that Grant Z came oh, on. Yeah. So yeah, you could listen to that That's if sick. you want to hear about his uh his camera setup. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I pretty much know it because I've bugged him enough times at this point. I know pretty much everything because he, I saw in that video there was a second angle and it looked like he was holding a gimbal and it was like called like suitcase mode, like when the handle's on top. And I hadn't seen a lot of gimbals that had that option. So I hit him up and he, he recommended the, the one that I bought. Um, and it's sick. And actually, Alex Donaghy recently bought a gimbal and what's the Panasonic camera that everyone has? That's the good one. GH5. GH or something like that. Yeah, GH5 or GH5S. Yeah. Yeah. Because he posted some stuff on his Instagram. Same thing, like glide cam with a mirrorless camera. And I hit him up and he had gotten, I think it's like, ronin or something makes a uh, another gimbal that's similar but anyways mm-hmm. a few people have been doing it it's cool which one do you have exactly is it a zoom one zayun yeah the zoom weeble s it's like the smallest kind of i think it's like 400 bucks so compared to the other ones it's pretty cheap that's canadian i don't know what it is in the states but um and it's it's like kind of burly enough that it can support decent sized cameras my setup's pretty light, so it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, it's cool, man. It works well. Solid. Yeah, Grant C was using that same one with the um, A6300 with the Canon fisheye, the zoom fish. You know, the one yeah. that like all skate filmers use now, basically? Yeah. Because it can like mimic the Mark One pretty well. But he, and that's like a, that's a big, heavy lens. I think it's a, five to or it's like an eight to 16 zoom fisheye pretty sure but anyway that was his setup with the um the weevil s so i could definitely Mm -hmm. handle a pretty pretty heavy rig within reason yeah like a mirrorless body with a big lens it's it's fine yeah exactly it's what i have dude okay how much of an asshole am i that i made justin who had a broken foot made him drive us around with his right. We're, you were driving with your left foot and then we'd pull up to a spot. I'd just be riding. Justin would whip out his like camping chair, sit in, yep. sit in the chair. Yep. And just, God, dude. I mean, we Not, made the most of it. Dude, I loved like, it. I needed fun. something to do. I was like going yeah, stir I mean, crazy. Like it was to me, that's yeah. like the best season. Like fall in New York is perfect I for agree, riding. Dude. So... I agree. I was happy to have an excuse to go out and film and do stuff. And like, yeah, it was definitely challenging at times. Like I, uh, I think you flew out of LaGuardia, right? I was just going to say dropping me off at LaGuardia. Oh man. Driving. Yeah, up. dude. I mean, <laughs> that's just. Yeah, worst case I got good at it though. Like even before you came, I was driving left footed for like probably a solid like month. So I knew my limits at that point, and uh, LaGuardia was definitely a challenge, but it worked out in the end. You handled it. Are you still whipping that little Nissan around? Still rolling still in the kicking. Versa. Hell yeah. yeah Versa. Versa life. I was thinking about doing Versa across America, but I don't think Whoa. I could handle it. It would be too spine that's punishing. Only, that's only. only. yeah that's strictly camry business yeah the versa i don't think it could hang but that car is like it's a solid just bmx car because it's a hatchback so i just have the seats down full time and i just slam bikes in the back camera gear boards yeah it's definitely not the prettiest car but 
Dude, knock on wood, it's been super reliable. So definitely not mad at the Versa life. Austin, do you do you have a car out there? Or you just like bike around, take public. Transit? Still working on the license. Yeah, I'm trying to get my license here. It's been a process. Oh, right. But yeah, I mean now, I mean I live like in the city and stuff, so I can kind of like pedal around. But like skate parks and shit are all you kind of need to drive to. Right. So for that, I kind of just have to rely on like homies that are going and stuff and and that shit. But for the most part, I mean. It, I, yeah, I mean, I need a car. I need a license at least. And, <laughs> yeah. But we're working on it, hopefully soon. You got it. I mean, I know how to drive. It's just more so like, I mean, I guess it's learning manual transmission, everything. But I mean, now I've had like, because it's mandatory to like do like some classes before taking your road tests and stuff. So like I had to sign up for a school and do that whole whole show. It's like now I'm good with you know manual transmission everything, but more so it's like kind of getting out of that like I've been a driver for you know eight years and I need to like unlearn habits that I have. So it's just been a lot of like okay, especially like for road tests like okay I need to have like two hands on the wheel and like look at my fucking mirrors all the time and just like the shit that I would never really do. But yeah, yeah we'll see. And like you learned to drive manual here in Jason Stelter's uh, yeah. pickup truck. I think it was like an S10 and like definitely didn't learn the manual by the book. Like probably like yeah. coasting in neutral and like taking some, uh, some shortcuts. Learning- well, so like learning any motorized activity with Jason, it's probably not by the book. Not even. Close. I mean, I will say, taking lessons on how to drive sick from Jason, I feel like is my best, my best bet, because he like he's always driven manual cars, so like he he'll tell me like, I guess like some tricks and like little tips and stuff. But like, yeah, I mean, the first time I really drove one was his S10, like however many years ago. And that was one time. But this recent time that I was visiting, like we would just have days where I would have him come to my house. He'd pick me up at at the time he had, uh, fuck, what was it? It was like, uh, fuck, I can't remember what, but it was a short shift transmission. It was a... No, it wasn't a Subaru. It was like some fucking like Camaro or shit that he had. Like he just bought this random ass car short shift just to like drive fast and do burnouts and just Jason shit. But like I remember like, you know, after not really having drive driven manual transmission, they're going to this short shift like race car. And I'm like trying to figure out what to do. Like, all right, where is the gear? Because I'm moving a fucking centimeter and I'm all the way in fifth. Yeah. Those are so weird, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I managed with that and then he sold that and then I was driving his Miata around. So, so definitely when I was visiting, it was nice to practice with Jason. Yeah, he's really not a bad driving instructor. His no. just, his personal style is uh, 
very yeah, loose yeah. and uh, on the yeah. ragged edge. Yeah, I wasn't questioning his abilities at all. Like he's very talented. At just it's just more so like his how loose he is. But it's like yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like yeah, you actually just got to dump into this gear and you just got to fucking floor it. Yeah, it's like if you did that in the driver's test, you probably would yeah. <laughs> like. Oh wait, that's not how you take off. <laughs> I'm not supposed to heat up the tires first. <laughs> but yeah, maybe I wouldn't take motorcycle lessons from him. But no, dude, he's, he's a madman. He uh, came to my house recently to. Uh, I think he was helping me move a couch. And uh, he had, like, only a short amount of time because he had a dentist appointment he had to get to. And just before, like, we're, I was, like, trying to get him to go. He was like, oh, shit, like, it's already, like, 10 minutes late. And just on the way out from my block, he did a whole bunch of donuts and then burned out up my entire block just on his <laughs> oh way to the God. dentist. Or he was already late, but dude does not care. No fucks. Just classic Jason. But yeah, luckily he's good at what he does. Otherwise, uh, dude, he could get very hurt. Oh, yeah. That's gnarly. I just had an AirPod die, but I think my left no. one is still kicking. I could still hear you, so we're doing okay. So the only other thing yeah. I wanted to bring up, Joel, was the uh, the mm -hmm. Woodward days. Back in the yeah. the Canadian cabin. I'm not sure if that was my first time at Woodward. But I think it was like... That was obviously where I met you. And in the cabin mm. was like Corey Walsh, Spencer McFarlane. Uh, who, what other, who else was there at the time? Because I know it wasn't just Canadian boys. Yeah, so it was like... Basically, I just I just happened to be in that cabin. I didn't know any of those dudes, but they, yeah, they all lived in this town that's about two hours away from where I live. And yeah, it was Corey, uh, Spencer, and then their crew. So I think this dude, Mark. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember Mark. Yeah, there were a few of their, that squad. Um, so you didn't know yeah, them beforehand? So no, I, I mean, I think I had maybe run into... I had maybe run into them at, I don't know, some indoor parks around here before, but it wasn't like we planned it and went down together. Um, I was actually down there with my buddy Ben Zorski, and yeah, I was in that cabin, but that was fun, man. Those are good times. Even back then, dude, talking about Corey, even back then, Corey was so good. Like, what year was this? That, like, man, I don't know. You 2010, know maybe? Yeah, I was, was say that the year? So I made like a web video called Woodward Sucks that actually yeah, did pretty good on Vimeo. But that was yeah. the year I was there with like Mark Burnett, Matt Nordstrom. Yeah, like I, I went that year. Uh, Austin, but I don't, I don't think I was. I don't Billy think I was Perry, there for this year. Grant Germain. About. Yeah, I think that was like a later year then. Was this the year that you put four pegs on? I remember you went to Woodward and you came back and you like started riding four pegs. Me or Joel? You. Yeah, definitely that you. was I definitely four that. pegs. Yeah. I was I an early adopter. 
I don't really want to get into that part, but yeah, my bike might have weighed like 19 pounds. Yeah, you rode a tie, dude. I forgot about that. You rode a totally different setup. <laughs> my bike was so sick, though. It was all chrome mm-hmm. and it had cage and tires and no pegs. God, that thing was that's sick. amazing. Park yeah, Joel. Really. We all go through different weird phases. It's all good. I've learned. I've adapted. Mm-hmm. I think everybody goes through that like weight weenie phase where you're like back then, shaving yeah. ounces. Yeah. Yeah. Back then it was kind of cool. Spend 150 bucks on a tie axle for your cranks. Do something crazy like that. Yeah. I did a tie oh, axle my. for like a profile mini and the axle Bro. costs like 200 bucks or something stupid. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's like 17 sets of peg sleeves now. Like, what were we thinking? <laughs> Let's not use, like, dollars as currency. Let's use peg sleeves. Peg sleeves. So everything has an equivalent value in peg sleeves. Yeah. A cup of coffee is, like, four peg sleeves. A double-double. That's a double-double, yeah. So anyway, Austin is reclining back, and I think we're in uh, Bajarki territory in the duration yeah. of this episode. So uh, I'm down to call How it a night. Bajarkis? You guys are. I was like two and a half hours. He was like, is that I don't know if he said so on the podcast, but he was like, his intention was to to be the longest one. <laughs> oh my! Which uh, I didn't know going into it. So I'm pretty sure I tried to end the episode at one point, and he was like, Nah, nah. We're still going. This we, isn't we it. Still got more. Yeah, he's like, I got, I still got more. So he was, he dude, was trying to, uh, to break the record. Well, dude, he's in Iceland, so it's like, it's never nighttime there. At least this <laughs> so season, because it was like, I remember it was like 11 p.m. or something, and in the background, I could still see daylight coming through his window. It's like, what's going yeah. on, man? That's insane. Yes. Yeah, Wow. Yeah, yeah Iceland's no, like another planet. Pretty, pretty much. So yeah, Joel, if you want to uh shout out your Instagram, any sort of plug type business, you could send it. I mean, I guess I I feel like most people who if anyone clicked on this, they probably know me already and can follow me, but it's just <laughs> my name, Joel underscore Fortin. Um what else? I don't know. Keep an eye out for these like videos. I think this Chijo video is really gonna like it's gonna impress some people. Chijo is super good, and I'm just stoked that, that we were working with. We filmed like a VX one last year, and I think this one being HD might just get a little bit more attention, and he deserves yeah. it. That dude's like done some crazy stuff. This Mike video, Mike's always crazy, but same thing. He's done some insane things. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, thanks for inviting me. I feel like I, you guys have some crazy, like interesting people on here, but I appreciate you bringing me on. Talk about the old, uh, good old days. I nah, did. This is why I wanted to do this. Yeah. You're definitely uh, a worthy guest as, as, uh, as much as anybody else. So thank you for coming on. Stoked to have you. Appreciate it. It was good chatting with you guys and seeing you guys. Yep. It's been too long. For Same. sure. Yeah. It's good to hear what you've been up to and uh, definitely come back on like uh part of my idea of doing this podcast is like to not just have a one and done type guest like 
you ever want to just come on and catch up if like a video comes out like uh if the mike gray video drops or chi joke you can uh come on we'll talk about it type of thing yeah or your own video whatever you want to do i know you probably don't want to talk about yourself on here for like an hour when i start my press run for my next edit i'll make sure to get you guys in. <laughs> yeah once once you're on the podcast circuit yeah hit me up yeah you'll probably be on unclicked you'll be on uh kyle carlson's yeah i mean if i have Joe time Rogan. i'll be going on those ones but we'll see pretty busy schedule yeah merit's merit will probably fly you out to for that one you'll probably be in yeah. cali yeah no i appreciate it guys and for sure i'll hit you up next time because I'd, I'd like to come back again we've I feel like we have so much stuff we could keep talking about. It could go all night. So I yeah. appreciate it. Dude, of course. So uh, if you want to keep up with the podcast on Instagram, it's at Sore Losers BMX Podcast. You can follow Austin at Austin underscore Mazer. And you can follow me yeah. at, at J Cobley. J K O E B E L E. All the E's. All the E's. And uh, next week. I have no idea what we're going to do. Nope. We, uh, we take this one week at a time. <laughs> but uh, I just watched Angles, and it's awesome. Scott Marceau killed it on that project. I, I would challenge... Tell me all about it. Yeah, 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 I wanted to bring it up, but we had Joel here, so I, we, I already rambled on enough about the uh, Dawn of the Streets. But, dude, Angles is amazing. I would challenge any BMX rider... To watch that video and not know somebody in it because i feel like like 90 percent of that video were people that i have come across in riding woodward in california yeah. and wherever i'm excited so, to see it and scott did such a good job with such an insane amount of people like it's organized really well the music's really good it's like super just riding focused like I feel like a video like that, the B-roll can like take over the video when you have so much footage and so many people. And like he definitely like cut it down to like the essential footage and then the outro. How long was it? Uh it's like just under an hour. It's like 59 minutes or something, 57 minutes. Okay. But obviously if you look on the back cover, the entire cover is a list of names of riders. Names. So there's so many people in it and there's like five or six full sections like full sections right yeah, yeah. like grancy has one obviously um Vegan's scott has one, an right? awesome section vegan section's amazing uh i'm blanking on everybody else there's the man whose name still escapes me which uh i could find the dvd but well i'll we'll leave it for next time when we're talking about angles i'll be kicking myself and the outro is like the best outro i've ever seen i think because it's like all of the the grade a b-roll and crashes and bails and just funny stuff he put it all it's like you know normally outros are like you turn the video off at that point i watched yeah. the outro all the way to so, the end because it was yeah. awesome so maybe we can even get scott to come on and talk about angles that'd be cool We'll see. We'll have to yeah. figure something out. For sure. So I will let you guys go. I, uh, yeah, I've uh, already done my little no, review of angles in the outro. I, think I couldn't help it. Died. Yeah, the pods, the pods are dead. 
in the death of the airpod podcast no pods yeah. next time that was the number one lesson we learned today no pods yeah yeah the wired wired is the way to go so to anybody still listening thank you we appreciate you this has been fun joel now uh if you're not doing so already go outside and ride your bike